This episode is brought to you by Challengers Comics and Conversation. Go to challengerscomics.com and start the conversation now. Daniels Law LLC in Georgia. Visit dlawllc.com. Kerberos Productions. The minds behind the games enter the pit and kaiju a go-go. Search for Kerberos, K-E-R-B-E-R-O-S, on Steam, or go to kerberos-productions.com to check out their growing catalog of titles. Welcome to the Crossroad for the week of May 16th, 2016. Just a little under 60 days left to go until a new Ghostbusters movie is in theaters. I know, it's pretty crazy to think about, right? But in the meantime, we have all of the news that's fit to print, plus a little bit of a state of the Ghostbusters nation. That's right, fellow ghost heads. We hold these truths to be self-evident that Troy and Chris really need to talk some stuff out. Still playing with Toys.net presents the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So great. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You sound better. Do I sound any better? Not really. Yeah, you sound a bit better. Okay, good. I'm still slightly congested. Like, I have a new vehicle and it's white. And it sits out under this big avenue of trees that I have, and every like I, I brought it home, freshly washed. Yay! Next morning, it, it looked like you know the, oh, part, the got apocalypse. Dive bombed. Was, yeah, not dive bombed, covered in pollen. Uh, oh, these, the area I'm in, the trees are dropping everything, the flowers are dropping everything. So it's just small mm. dusting of pollen everywhere. So I'm that's what you get for your Pacific Northwest rains, man. It's, yeah, everything is blooming. Yeah. Um. So I'm spending my life hopped up on you know. Claritin and caffeine. Cool. Uh, it's not too bad. Um, it's under control now. It was worse before, but now it's reached the um, the mystery sore throat bit. Like, Aye. Yeah. Well. Well, and everybody at your local drugstore thinks that you're cooking meth with all of the uh, nasal drugs that you're <laughs> you're picking up. <laughs> They're checking you, your ID. Do they check your ID in Canada? Is that something like when you get cold and allergy medicine? Do they check your ID up there now? Wait, you can cook meth with all this stuff? I don't know. I think that's why they check your ID. We're going to have to talk about that. Um, uh, yeah. I know Walter White, but I think that's why they check your ID, just to make sure um, that you haven't purchased that much. No, I think it's one of those instances where the States is just slightly ahead of the skeevy curve than Canada. Like, we're not <laughs> far behind, but we're at least like a decade behind. So I remember traveling in the States, and it was like, go in and pay a cashier before pump gas. I'm like, that's weird. We can kind of just do it at the pump. It's like, yeah. it took 10 years for us to catch up to that point. Or you're talking about ID... Um, I know our emergency room, when I had a, a kidney stone, I, I learned the amusing hard way that uh, had I got in and said, I'm in a lot of pain, can I have drugs? I would have gotten baby aspirin because they would have assumed I was in there <laughs> trying to score. Give me drugs. Yeah, yeah. Whereas my, my vaguely uh, watered down Britishness as a Canadian, it was kind of, I'm fine. It hurts a lot, but I'm fine. And they're like, here, have some morphine. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are just too nice up there. They don't expect you to pump your gas and run. And <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think it's just the judgment of, uh, like, they put a lot of this stuff, the hard stuff, behind the counter. Uh, so you have to go up yeah, and ask point. for it. But nobody's ever asked me for ID. So huh. All right, I'm assuming well. it's just up to the, the pharmacist to decide whether you're kind of sketchy or not. <laughs> yeah. Which means it's time for me to go into the meth cooking I was going to say, that I think this is how Breaking Bad started. You're the least person they expect. It's fantastic. Exactly. It works out well. 
well, okay, so I'm looking at our rundown, which is like four whopping pages here. So uh, okay. we should really get into it. But do you do you have a drink for us to talk about this week? We we've kind of skipped over it because we've both been sick. I have. Well, it's not drinky drinky. Uh, it's a. Uh, uh, Virgil's orange cream soda. They call it micro brewed, which <laughs> micro brewed cream soda. It yeah. just means we make small batches, I guess. <laughs> um, no, the the grocery store near my house was one grocery store, which got bought by another chain, and they kicked out that grocery store. Uh, went in there in one month, turned it into the other grocery store. And this one, you go to the pop section, and they have all the fancy glass bottle Ooh. pops. What does but that mean for the- Ecto Cooler? I wonder if they have all of the fancy ones. Uh, do you think that you're going to have a better chance of getting Ecto Cooler? Not a chance in hell. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, I, oh. I think that's a lot. That's right. I forgot. Sorry. Never mind. Nah. Anyways, they have these uh, the cardboard. Uh, uh, the beer carriers, you know, the six pack carrier. Yeah. 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 So they have this thing. So they're like these are the premium glass bottle pops so they're like a couple of bucks each but they're like pick six for any six for ten bucks i'm like that's wow. a deal uh well, so I, go, was, I had a sampler yeah go in there and tell them that they need to import the ecto cooler for you uh because they have all their fancy pops they might as well like everybody's yeah. demanding the public demands it the demands it well i turned the corner and they had a british section you know i could get curly whirlies and uk oh. cherry coke and here's my question why are we hauling cherry coke from the UK? Uh, yeah, what's the difference between our cherry coke and yeah? The, what I don't know. Is it be, is it another like is it in the glass bottle? Is it like the uh, the oh, no, non high fructose? Oh, yeah. huh. I mean, it might be the, right. the non high fructose, but at the same time, you can get that from Mexico too. So it's kind of right. like I don't right. Uh, pat it with the chocolate bars. Stop hauling over the, the the pop. We don't need the pop. Or if you're gonna haul over the pop, <laughs> haul over Iron Brew or something that we can't easily yeah, find. Yeah, something here. that is not easily found. Or Ecto Cooler. Or Damn Ecto it, Cooler. Get him some Ecto Cooler. Get this man some Ecto Cooler. Actually, that's a really good marketing point. Is is grocery stores up here? They they sort of like uh, uh, your your special Asian items, uh, uh, South Asian items. Uh, the British section, and then the American section. And that's where you get, like, uh, Count Chocula cereal, uh, um, Ecto Cooler. What else? Uh, Cheez-Its. We don't get Cheez-Its up here. See, there you go. Cheez-Its, yeah. What else? Um, See, it's, I thought you were going to say that there's there's the Asian section, there's, uh, like, the Mexican section, and then there's oh, the, the, nerd, the nerd section, the where nerd it's just section. all vaguely nerdy things that you have to purchase. Yeah, well, the, or the U.S. section. It's one and the same, That's really. one and the same. It really down. is. Yeah, We pretend to be a bunch of cowboys, but we're actually just really big nerds. It makes a lot Aww, of sense. Oh, we're not getting the specialty Superman, Batman versus Superman uh, cereals? Uh, that'll uh, be aisle four. Yay! Yep. Yay, Americans! Yay, Americans! Da-da-da-da-da-da-da! <laughs> All right, anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's let's get into this. Man, there's so much to do. Let's let's get into some news. Egon, Peter, I have some news from the world of Zozo. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. All right, Chris, so we're going to start off with, uh, this is the big news to me, uh, at least. Uh, Some people were like, oh, all right, that's cool, and then kind of shrugged it off. But to me, this is awesome. This is, it's almost like having a Ghostbusters theme park in the United States, in North America, because I know that Dubai Motion Gate is coming. You waited too long, Dubai. Yeah. You waited too uh, long. Your, your moratorium is over because in July, Madame Tussauds uh, is teaming up with The Void. And what is that? We'll get into that in a second. But they are developing an, an, a new experience that's going to be in Times Square. 
and it's God, like, this is just it's super cool it's basically your opportunity to be a ghostbuster like yeah if, uh, and and they use i mean it's madame tussauds so i'm sure there's going to be like wax figures and sets and lighting and all of that stuff that they usually do but you yeah, go into another display. room yeah and this other thing happens. Uh, See, which is, the, th- the thing is, is the Void got announced, oh, a few months back in general, right? They came out from undercover to say, here's us and here's what we do. And in the circles I run in, it made a splash because, Because it's, know, it's, high, it's not, this it's is VR. not like Lawnmower Man VR where you're in no. that stupid like ring and you're walking on a treadmill, that kind of stupid thing. This is like fully immersive and it's, yeah, it's a total engagement. Well, here's the thing: the the teasers they put out kind of assumed almost like you watched their initial trailer that they put out for their technology in general. And I don't think the public, on you know, I don't think most of the public has seen it yet. So they kind of went, hmm, "Ghostbusters experience, whatever." But um, and it's I tried to describe it to somebody. <laughs> Time to get nerdy. <laughs> um, it's a holodeck. Only yes. if oh, you remember how if you remember how Star Trek worked, it was it cast light so you could see the environment, and if you had to interact with something to be solid, um, they'd either use their replicator technology to actually make it. That's how you could go in and eat food and all that, or if you had to interact with like you know something you weren't going to eat, I guess uh, it would be tractor beams. Uh, it, they would fake it, or right. or later on they were like hard light, whatever. Okay, whatever. It's, you know, super Michael Okuda technology. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but this is the exact same premise, but we don't have all that funny stuff. So for casting light, it's not being cast into the environment. We have to wear the goggle VR headset. Right, right. Um, to feel some things going on, they will put in, there's like a sensor rumble pack that you wear as a vest. Um, they will put... Um, Things like wind effects and uh, spray effects and smell effects and all that sort of thing uh, that they'll spritz in at you so you can get that sort of sense of, of things. And then the part that's missing is interacting with the environment. And what they've done is rather than a free roaming world like in Star Trek holodecks, they have a lockdown environment. And since it's locked down and since it's mapped to the, you know, everything is all rigidly placed. Yeah, it's like uh, they, motion tracking you through the environment, yeah, right? Like, they, yeah, yeah. You're what you're seeing in the headset is in lockstep with the physical world around you. So if you walk up to a wall, they've put a real wall there. So if you put your hand out to touch the wall, you're going to feel a wall. Uh, they had a great one in their um, uh, their their uh, trailer, not the Ghostbusters one, but where a guy walk, walks up to a wall, and it's just all you know. F- flat gray because you know it doesn't have to be anything out in the real world and it had uh you know these raised you know looked like screens or something it was just wood but it like it was these raised elements and then it cuts to his view and he's touching a touch screen in a in a you know a super futuristic base sort of thing (laughs) but he's getting the tactile experience of actually touching physical matter in this world Yeah. yeah you combine that with what you're seeing in your head your brain goes a long way to go real it's real it's real. So imagine that then if you're a Ghostbuster, you 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 have your proton pack, they'll give you, a, you know, the the gun thrower device which you run around and See, that's the other thing too. You're not just being lockstep through. You can wander at your, you know, within the confines of the experience. Yeah, it's you like an wander. open world within whatever they've de- yeah. they've defined. You want to yeah. stand in a place for ten minutes. Stand in a place for ten minutes. You want to walk over a wall. Go over to a wall. You want to double back and check something out again. Do that. 
Well, but that's, um, so that's interesting, Chris, because you, I mean, it, it sounds like you do have free roam, but they are saying that it's like a 15 minute experience. So do you think they time <laughs> you and move you along? Like, all right, you're, you're done. Keep going. Or uh, they guide you towards like, a. Uh, in, like in, in the old yeah. Nintendo games, there's an arrow that appears over a door like, hey, dummy, go under here. This is where you got to go. Well, the the stuff they released about it mentions cameos. Now, if I was a designer, I think that'd be a really good way to move people along. Yeah, like so a narrator or something. And the other thing is, is 10 to 15 minutes, how many rooms is that? I imagine it's maybe three. Three? Three or four? Yeah, probably like five minutes in each room. Is because it's it's story based. That's the other it's thing. It's story based, right? It's, so it's not like a game. You're kind of going through and you're experiencing something. Almost like uh, it reminds me of the Star Trek experience in Vegas. Like you've yeah. got these actors and all of this stuff trying to lead you through a room or two. Yeah, which is which is what I think it is. They're like, you know what? The program runs. You know, there's a little wiggle room that you can be in there for five minutes, or maybe they rush through it. But if you're reaching that point of time to move along, that's a good point for a cam- like a cameo actor to pop out at a certain point and say, "Hey, over here, I got to tell you something." And then you walk over, they close the door behind you, and then on and you then go. you move on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll just use regular video game tricks to move you along, and uh, <laughs> God help you if you don't listen to them. <laughs> video ga- just- video games will just sit there forever. Wait, hey, come over here. I'll just wait. I'm yeah. pretty sure at a certain point somebody with a broom will come out. I was, and yeah, this is like the gong the show that somebody comes out with the hook and just drags you along, probably. But uh, <laughs> well, so we don't we don't know a lot of details about the experience no. itself. I mean, I have questions like if I fire the proton pack, is there is it going to damage all of the stuff around me? Are we going to see burning in the walls? All that kind of like interactivity that you are used to from like Ghostbusters the video game, but. I'm um, guessing yes. I would imagine so because what they you put on this helmet, which are your goggles, you get the proton pack, which is like a laser tag vest. It's like the gun attached to the vest. They're saying that the proton pack has what they call haptic feedback. Uh, so you know, it's you're getting the kickback from the gun. You're getting the vibration in your uh, yep. uh, in your gut because the the vest is like shaking you. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it sounds like. So there, there was the Rolling Stone article that had a few quotes. So I'll just I'll read these off. This is the information that we do have. Um, according to Jake Zim, who is the senior vice president of digital marketing at Sony Pictures Motion Picture Group, uh, producer Ivan Reitman and Paul Feig worked with The Void to create the narrative that gives people a storyline that fits with the franchise but could also live independently. All of the new equipment, including the proton packs, the proton blasters, the outfits that the Ghostbusters wear in the new movie, everything, are incorporated into The Void's creative that they're using creative as a noun. I love it. That's such a Hollywood thing to do uh, to ensure the highest quality images and environments would appear in this virtual reality experience. Um, so to me, I mean, it's, it's safe to assume that this is going to be, it's story based. It's probably going to give you all of the same, uh, like the iconic moments that you would want to experience. Like you've got to yeah. blow up the, this thing that melts the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and you smell marshmallow and you know you're you're going to be getting all of the highlights like the uh, the greatest hits album of Ghostbusters even though it's primarily based on the new movie it sounds to me like they really want you to experience the, the class like this is the classic Ghostbusters experience yeah and I think what we're going to see what it sounds a lot like too is they're giving it uh, from a different angle a bit of the same treatment as the video game Right, which again right. is set in and around the movie, the new movie, but um, you know the again we're not sure with the the Activision video game, but it sounds like maybe at least there'll be a 
of you know voicemail from the the movie team going, "You guys are in charge now." You know, same thing here. Yeah. It's kind of like I imagine some of those cameos will be um, represented, say, uh, vi- virtual representations of of the movie team going. Uh, we need your help. You know, it's yeah. Well, and and keep in mind that's that's the whole reason that Ghost Core was formed. It's it's almost like the story group at Lucasfilm. They're making sure that all of this stuff ties together and it's cohesive and it's an experience that is going to further the experience of the movie and bridge the gap to whatever comes next. So um, yeah. that's that's something to keep in mind as well. Now, I it is based on the new movie. I mean, that makes logical sense from a marketing standpoint. I know some people will go, why not the old movie? And I think it's fair point for you and I to just quickly yell out, likeness rights. Um, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine trying to, like the process of getting the likeness rights of the new actors for the new movie has probably been streamlined a hell of a lot more than you know, Bill Murray's contract from 1984, which didn't even take into account video games, etc. That said, it's it's just a program, which means that's not to say that for the 35th anniversary, because my impression is that this thing is supposed to stand. Madame Tussauds and The Void are not putting this together to tear it down a couple of weeks later. Yes, right? oh, this yeah, is... we, we have on good authority that this is something that's going to be standing, at least at the, the Times Square location for, for years to come. This is something that's going to be there for a while. So that's not to say then for the 35th anniversary, they don't, they keep roughly the same storyline, swap a few elements around, like the cameos are now, you know, based on the original movie. You know what I mean? Right, like it's right. it's just a little <laughs> the the framework is there, the foundation is there, the you know, the programming and all that is in place. You can then start swapping elements, and that's not to say we won't see, you know, the the classic come in. Yeah. Or yeah. if it's if it's super big time, maybe they'll just do a classic one. Who knows? The other thing is the void's supposed to have they have their own things and all that. So it's not to say that at a certain point, maybe they just won't let you choose too. You can come in and go new team, old team. Yeah. It might become whatever. like an arcade experience where you can go in and experience this one on this day or this one at this hour or whatever. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I mean, the more we talk about it though, my biggest fear is that uh, spiders, uh, spiders, wolves. That's also true. Uh, but Kelly and I went to Universal Studios and uh, and and going through the Harry Potter, uh, you know, when you go through Wizarding World of Hogwarts and even like more specifically the Fast and the Furious ride that they put in at, at Universal Studios Hollywood, the actors don't want to be there. So you have like Vin Diesel show up on the screen. He's like, hey, it's me. You got to get to the checkpoint before something happens. Like they're just so disinterested. It reminds me of that Bill Paxton <laughs> the twister intro you know the twister ride that replaced the ghostbusters experience at universal florida where bill paxton yeah. does not care at all that he's there <laughs> so i'm really uh, hoping wh- that this is like the, the actors are in it and it's not just like hey we're here give me the paycheck peace out well there's the thing if i understand this correctly it is again a digital world meaning if they're going to have cameos we're not talking 1994 uh, you know, um, wing like, commander, it's full motion video, right? right? Like this it's, is, they're going to have to model them and all that. So right. to a certain point, even if they show up and, you know, voice record or, you know, are they doing mocap? Who knows? Right. Maybe it's just voice acting and somebody else mocapped. But at the end of the day, that means an entirely different person gets to infuse their own level of energy into the, the movement acting. Right. And right. the, the modelers and animators get to, tweak with the the expressions and all that which means that mm. even if and i don't think this is the case but even if uh, 
you know, the actors and all this from the new movie show up and just kind of mail in their line, you know, <laughs> um, it doesn't matter because that's one third of the entire performance right. and they can kind of, you know, sweeten it up a bit. Um, but I would imagine it has to be photo real. I mean, that's, that's the whole sell to the Oculus Rift stuff is that it's photo real, right? So you're deceived. You're not getting that uncanny valley where you know that it's, it's CG and, and it's completely fake. So I would hope, I mean, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it is filmed live action. That's, that's another one of the questions that I have for them. Like, is, are they filming live action for this? Do we know? Well, no, they can't because it's a 3D environment where the the visitor can wander within it. But don't they do means, that for Oculus, though, don't they? Like, if you which, go to the Grand Canyon in Oculus, you can be looking around in the 3D environment and... Oh, but oh you can't I see move what you around. mean. You can't move around. Right. All these 3D ones, the camera's locked in a thing, mm. uh, and you can swing around. This one, you can move around, which means... So it has to be live rendering yeah. to where, what your perspective of it would be. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, too, um, this is a very, whew, how do I put this without sounding negative? Because it's not what I'm trying to get around here. It is a very narrow focused experience versus, say, a next gen console experience. So the levels of photorealism they go through in every you know next gen console, we all go, ah, but it's still slightly rendered. Right. In this one, it's not... It's three rooms. It's fifteen minutes. It's three rooms yeah. in fifteen minutes, which means that's a lot of push to focus on just rendering out an actor's face really, really well. Sure, sure. Um, again, we don't know. This is just us guessing. But uh, I mean, there's like only one way we have to experience it. We have to go. They, the, yeah, just we saying. have to go. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll go out to New York. We'll experience it. We'll report back to you guys, um, and you know we'll see how it goes. But I mean, the good news is if if this is successful, I think it goes without saying. There are so many Madame Tussauds locations. There's ones in L.A. and London and all over. I think there's even one up in Vancouver, right, Chris? That I want to. Oh, now it's in. I think it's in Toronto. But <laughs> sorry. Well, they're right next door. They're so. next door. It's same West East Coast. Whatever. Same thing. But yeah. uh, I, I know the guy works there. Tom. It's fine. <laughs> he'll be fine you'll be fine Tom from in. Toronto but uh but yeah if it's successful I would imagine that it will pop up at other locations but uh for now New York is the destination man so make sure that you go check it out as soon as it opens July 1st 2016 well, there's something you don't see every day a Ghostbusters fan like we are here at Beyond the Marquee? Well, we've got a treat for you today. We're here with the original Ecto-1 from the 1984 classic Ghostbusters, and with us today is Stephen Dane. Stephen, how are you? Great. Tell us, what is your relation with Ghostbusters, and uh, especially with the Ecto-1 here? Well, I get called in to design this thing, and it turns out that the prop man thought the decorator was making the key props and vice versa. And two weeks before the shoot, they discovered they didn't have the vehicle, they didn't have the ghost trap, they didn't have the blasters, they didn't have anything. So I did all this in two weeks. You designed the ghost traps, the cars, the, the proton packs? This wasn't finished. They had to ship this to New York to finish the thing. It was halfway done when we got there and I had to go to New York to finish this off and finish the backpacks off and everything else. How much fun did you have making this or was it too stressful to even to even enjoy yourself? Well, as they say in the South, I was happy as a pig in cool mud. You know, I, I had the greatest time on this. It's Building things is something I've been doing since I've been a child, and it was just I just loved it. This has been all refurbished. This yeah. is the original Ecto-1 car. Can you tell us the history of the Ecto-1? How many were there? Let's start with that. How many cars were made? 
This was the primary car, and if anything needed to get worked on, the crew would work on it. It's basically a paint scheme and a roof rack. But this is the car from the original. That's what's yeah, important. Yeah. This is the, this is not a car. I remember I, I worked at Universal Studios back in the '90s, and they had a they had an ecto car. But then I found out that was from Part Two, which I had no idea yeah. uh, until I did this. So you can learn things from this episode. Uh, but this is from the film. This is the real car. Yeah. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, yeah. the late great Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson. They, these guys were in and all around this car and used it for the key scenes in the film. Uh, it's pretty historic. Have you had a chance to drive this yourself in the past, or? I'd be terrified of driving this thing. This is this is like. Like a baby here, I might I might abuse it inadvertently. <laughs> and is this your first time in the car? Well, since I sat in it originally, this is the first time in 30 years. It's like it's like kissing my ex-wife after years and years. <laughs> so, well, things like this are just are, are came out of a drawing I did of the roof rack, and they're just tanks. This this was also in the original drawings, and it's a, like a directional mic. You see all this stuff. This thing was, was something I designed up. I have a the white uh, checkered piece. Yeah, yeah, the piece here with, yeah. with, with 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 the reader in the front. I I designed that. Yeah. And uh, all these little things were just stuff that was off the shelf. It's all stock items. They're they're tubes with some nice decals on them, and that's about it. What was your inspiration for? So we like looking around, like uh, you know, household stores, and, and just saying, hey, this this blender will make a great uh, radar I, thing. Honestly, can't remember. I just got things that looked good for the moment, you know. Sure. And, and it's, it's it's all. That's what I do on Match.com, but that's another. <laughs> it's story. kind of bull, but it's this is what I've made a career out of doing is nice visual bull. Visual bull. Bull. That's I've... my acting career. <laughs> this is great. Here's to you. Uh, how much input did you have as far as like Ivan Reitman? I'm sure had some ideas. Um, did he have? I was one-on-one I was -on -one with Ivan Reitman from the very first minute. Mm -hmm. And, and I was sketching in front of Ivan, and we would talk the thing over, and then he would just set me free, and I'd go back to the, the prop makers who were working on the, on the vehicle here, on one of the sound stages, so. I had great times. I love doing this. It's like being a child on a, on a treasure hunt, you know, me working for the movies. So what was it like coming back here, seeing the car and touching it and being around it again after all these years? Frankly, it's like seeing a wonderful old girlfriend that I hold very fond. Even though we're not together anymore, I hold her very fond. Like your ex-wife in New York. Oh, yes, yes. I'm a devoted guy. <laughs> As we mentioned earlier, you designed the ghost traps and the proton packs that yeah. the guys carried. What was your inspiration for the uh, ghost trap? Any stories from that? Uh, they just said they wanted something to, to open up and suck in the, the ectoplasm. And so I just did a kind of a Bombay World War II bomber that would open, but it was just this little tiny box that we painted up nicely to camouflage it in. And what about the proton packs? Anything you're proud of on that? Were once again, it, I scouted around town and I found, I found the backpack first to, to build it on. And then I started finding pieces and putting it together. And I would come by and show it to Ivan and he might change it or adjust it or something. But it was a kind of an evolution of just throwing stuff together. Is this the color you, you, you had envisioned or did you think, well, it could be anything as long as these gadgets I, end up? I didn't have anything to do with the color. I was just the mechanics of getting all this junk made and put on the roof. And as you'll see from the drawings, we got much more complex and we literally ran out of time. And this is the original sketches of the original drawings. But this is the Mark I. As you see, it's very, very simple. We built every, I just do a drawing and we found gadgets to put in there that fit. This is the elaborate. Mark II version, but you see how much more complex it is? We didn't have time to build this. And we're also starting to get into some of the stuff that we have written on the sides of the car. 
we're we're ready to believe you and yes okay my, my drawings tend to be a combination of sketch and a great deal of accuracy and approved race car logo see this is basically i i simply gave instructions to the other crew members to build these things yeah. here's here's one of the sketches a development sketch of, of 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 the roof rack so as you see i play around with this stuff and and as i as i play around with it i show it to ivan and he says oh that's good that's good so these, these are all my little working drawings they're not too complicated, but everything I've learned years ago has got to be explained because you don't want the prop maker on the stage making up his mind and doing your creative work. That's why we are hired, is to be creative and original. We've yeah. got to provide stuff they've never seen before. And I usually did. And, and these are details. Here's the development of the ghost trap. And, and here's the backpacks. You see, lots of stuff. Here's a stair detail couple of notes here and they, they can build the damn thing. They don't, they don't need a, a whole thing. The directional antenna. I and just, that's what that plastic piece yeah, that is. I just drew it up and gave it to the prop guys and they made it work. And that's how the car ended up being what it is because of the notes I made. Mm -hmm. I brought a bunch of small photographs here. But it's, 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 those. it's great fun. Those are amazing. This, this was in New York. Now, there's Hot Wheels cars, there's Legos. This car has been uh, has been, has been everything you know, now. Become an icon. This is a cultural icon of the period. And I saw this, I watched the film the day before yesterday, and it really is a cultural touchstone for that whole period. 30 years later, people are still talking about Ghostbusters. In fact, they're, they're talking about Ghostbusters 3 now. Do you think you'll have any uh, involvement in that? I don't know. I saw, I've been waiting for, for, for Blade Runner 2 to come along, and <laughs> that's been years. And who knows what will happen? Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today on Beyond the Marquee. This has been an honor. It's my privilege. I was delighted to be brought aboard for, to talk to you guys about this, because this is a wonderful old car. It's pretty great. <laughs> this car is going to live in history, and I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up in the Smithsonian, because it is a piece of American culture at this point, and I'm delighted to have been involved in its creation. I hope Ivan sees this film. <laughs> we do too. I'm available for Ghostbusters 3. My number is 8. We'll, we'll send it to him. I'm going to encourage anyone who's a, a young person, like, like, like pre-teens. Pull up your pants. No, start creating. Start being original because it'll carry you for the rest of your life. And pull up your pants. <laughs> no, pull up your pants. So there might have been two cars, the original Ecto-1. Oh, 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 yeah. There, 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 there was a backup car. Yeah. You need a lot of backups because there's a second unit on movies where another crew will go out and shoot exteriors of the car while the main cast will be here. I mean, myself personally, I have four Ford Fusions, one for the 405, one from the 5 Freeway, one for the Valley, and one for Hollywood. Amen. Yes. So, Chris, that clip that you just heard, um, a little interview from Beyond the Marquee, uh, it's it's one of these things that we're really sad to have to report to everybody, but uh, Stephen Dane, who was one of the art directors on Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, uh, this man, I, that's just a title, but he is responsible for the design of the Ectomobile and the proton packs and the traps and the slime blowers and the PKE meters and so many other things. And then on top of that, he was alongside uh, Ridley Scott on Blade Runner, and he was the art director on Strange Brew, and Buckaroo Banzai, he designed the car in Buckaroo Banzai. Yep. Um, very sad news. Uh, for, for those of you that are, are lucky enough to experience it, he also helped design all of Universal Studios Japan, which is quite a feat uh, into and of itself. But yeah. uh, but we, we hear that he passed away in his sleep. It was very peaceful. We don't have a whole lot of details past that. But uh, boy, I mean... Just really sad. Again, this is one of those people that I, I know would have dug seeing the new movie come out and all of the hoopla that surrounds it. 
Yeah, he's, um, if you look at his internet movie database, he kind of qualifies as a kind of like a wizard behind the curtain in Hollywood for at least particularly the 80s when it, uh, movies. Yes, uh, oh, yeah. Because he gets this credit of, you know, such and such, cons- you know, like a design consultant and stuff like that, which doesn't tell you very much until you realize what it is, is he's the guy that, so when everybody's like, the proton pack feels, you know, it looks so functional and real. Yeah, he did that. Yeah. Um, the best example I can give, if you haven't seen it, is go see uh, Brainstorm. Yes. With Christopher Walken. Yes. And it is the perfect example. I It's not confirmed, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, at least he was involved. It's about recording... Uh, Years before uh, Ray Fiennes is uh, uh, was it Ray Fiennes? No, that's the kid brother. Who's uh, who's who's M in the Bond movies now? Uh, that's yeah, no, that's Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes? Okay, yeah. yeah. So remember Strange Days, the whole idea of recording people's right. brains. Yeah, they right. got it f- from yeah. Brainstorm, and it's about you know these researchers that figure out a way to record your experiences. Speaking of VR experiences, yeah. this is just pump it into your brain, hooray! <laughs> and they start with what's practically you know, Doc Brown's Back to the Future mind reader headgear, like that that big contraption he was wearing in the in the fifties. The movie starts with that's how big it is to record initially, and you actually see four or five iterations of the technology until it's a tiny little Walkman esque headpiece. Like mm. and that's him. He's a guy that they're like, here's what we want to do. And he's kind of like, ah, oh, records brainwaves, so you have to put these things here and map it. And he just kind of designed from the prototype hardware level down through the miniaturization steps. Jeez. And like I say, you watch a movie where it's about recording people's uh, experiences and then playing it back on another person. And you go, that looks completely believable. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, so... I, I think his official title, his official title on Ghostbusters was something like hardware consultant or mm. hardware designer or, yes. or something yeah, yeah, to yeah. that effect. But I mean, it, you mentioned brain scan. That's Dung- Douglas Trumbull, who was also on Blade Runner. And same thing. It's this, everything has to feel real and everything has to feel like it actually works. And that it's not just a bunch of flashing lights and a bunch of gears and gizmos. It all has purpose and it all has a reason for belonging there. And that's, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's what he did with these proton packs. When you look at the drawings that he did, I, I really implore you to go check out that Beyond the Marquee video because they show his drawings and all the sketches of all this equipment. But everything had function. There was a reason for it to have this spiral. There was a reason for it to be shaped like a sphere. Um, and, and Stephen Dane, it sounds like he did this on so many different films, including... Yeah, I mean, when he went to Universal Studios Florida, it sounds like he was designing all of the the architecture because he's also con- he's considered an architect. He was designing all of these buildings and he wanted things to look functional. So, yeah, he was a bit of a design polymath to be yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, very very sad and if we if we do get more details, we know that his memorial his memorial service, sorry, I'm still stuffed up so a lot of stuff gets muffled, but his memorial service is this week here in Los Angeles and I'm sure that more details will be out after that, but yeah, we're uh, you know sending sending all of our thoughts out to everybody that that knew him and worked with him, and all of the listeners here that know uh, what a, a big impact that he had on your childhoods, and quite frankly, the whole reason that you're listening to this podcast. I mean, if there were no proton packs, if there was no ectomobile, if all of those things were not as iconic and resonated the way that they were there wouldn't have been a Ghostbusters. It's for the exact same reason that when we talked about Michael C. Gross and, and how unfortunate his passing was because of the impact that he had on this whole franchise, 
Stephen Dane is also one of those unsung heroes. So, uh, you know, really, really just so sad, Chris. I mean, I, I yeah. can't even. Let's um, look at it this way. Um, let's not, you know, uh, mourn the tragedy so much as celebrate the, the triumph that it was his life. Because, boy, did he put a stamp on, on cinema. So good, good words there, Chris. I mean, because I think that's actually very fitting, knowing that on June 8th, Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters, is going to be returning to theaters with this Fathom Events screening that we talked about last week. Uh-huh. Uh, what, what a better way to honor all of the people that, that have passed, uh, have unfortunately left us, that, had, that put that stamp on pop culture, that have really set the table for what's coming out this July, a new movie, a new reboot. Look at, I mean, everybody says they're cashing in on an intellectual property. Yeah, you absolutely bet they are cashing in on intellectual property <laughs> because this this thing was wildfire they captured lightning in a bottle and they know it and so we're going to get to relive it they're going to do these these fathom event live screenings on the 8th and the 12th that we talked about um we got some more details and uh last week i speculated i was like you know they're doing the live streaming to all of the theaters that are the fathom events tie-in theaters there's going to be something. There's going to be a Q&A. There's going to be a new trailer, something. And sure enough, the Ghostbusters of Las Vegas, thank you guys, we're a little hat tip to you, uh, found a little blurb that indeed there will be a sneak preview of the new Ghostbusters film uh, along with other special surprises. Uh, so they're leaving, they're leaving open the door for that catch-all in case something else uh, comes to fruition between now and then. We uh, haven't locked down which actors will be showing up. Uh, yes, exactly. We don't know who will be showing up for the live Q&A that we will be filming and surprising you with. Do not worry about it. I'm sorry. Why did we even mention it? I meant a few additional surprises. So, uh, I found out this morning uh, there's two tiers of tickets to this event. To the Fathom events or to the Barbecue Films one? Oh, the Barbecue Films one. Yeah, Barbecue Films. That's also on our rundown. That's coming up next. But, sorry, uh, I got them too confused. Let's do it. Let's talk there's about Barbecue Films. There's a new films. movie. There's the Fathom events. There's the VR There's the VR, And there's, there's Barbecue the... Films, which is, again, if you Oof. missed last week, go back and listen to it. It's the secret cinema experience that you go in and there's actors around you. And yeah. it's a fully immersive screening of the first film. We have more on that coming up. We, we have some fun things in the works with the Barbecue Film people. So... Uh, stay tuned there, but uh, you mentioned two ticket tiers, Chris. What, yeah, what does that mean? We'll get into the, the, the nitty-gritty with the people who are putting it together uh, in the upcoming episode, but it's fair to point out to people now, if you're even slightly tempted in going, uh, go get your ticket. Yeah, you got to act fast because they're going was, fast. Yeah, they had these VIP tier tickets at 79 and change. They're gone. The, wow. So whatever the VIP ticket got you, uh, don't worry your pretty little head about it because you can't you do it. You didn't even have a chance. Uh, yeah. the, but they're still, I think they say about half the um, the regular ones at 47 49 I think it change? was $45, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Once basically, again, I'm operating without notes. <laughs> <laughs> Chris. Whatever. Yeah, the, the VIP tickets, uh, as, as far as I remember the way that Secret Cinema handled it, and I'm not sure if Barbecue Films is the same way, but the, the VIPs, they have uh, like reserved seating so that when it comes time to the actual uh, screening itself, they have seats that are already marked off for them, and they usually get a little goodie bag, and they get a, a front-of-the-line pass for the bar and all of the things that happen yeah. there. So you're you're not missing that much by getting a regular ticket, it sounds like. You're still going to get the full experience. 
Except for the goodie bags. Except and for the goodie bags. Cutting and the, in lines at the exactly, bar. I mean, frankly, stuff, it but, sounds like money well spent. But uh, Yes. And, and again, to reiterate, these are very limited experiences to begin with. So you're not going to be there with five million other people. You'll be there no. with a very select group of people a to experience this. A few hundred and two screenings. That's it. That's it for two days. Um, so that's, you know, it's, it's limited. If you want to go do this, if you're in the New York area, I, to be honest, guys, I'm thinking about going to do this and I'm in LA. So uh, this is a, a huge deal. So uh, go pick up those tickets while you still can. Stay tuned to the cross trip. We've got a whole lot more coming up on the barbecue film stuff. So Fathom Events, get your tickets. I've got mine, Chris. I hope that you I, have you looked yet uh, at any theaters near you? No, I, no. no, nothing that I've heard yet. Ah. Um, should be pointed out to people that given the timing, dang, I should have notes. Uh, when does the VR experience open up? Because uh, yes, VR experience is July 1st. So that's it. Oh, and this is June 8th. This is so, June 8th. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I was about to say you could double up. You can't double up. No, yeah. but I mean, if you think about it, if the, if the, um, the VR experience at Madame Tussauds opens up on July 1st. Pretty safe to assume that uh, there's going to be a big premiere or some sort of gala for when the movie comes out on the 15th. So maybe there's a tie-in there or maybe they yeah. all they, they do some press there. I don't know. I, I think it's like Times Square is going to be probably the destination to be uh, when it comes July. But, uh, but in the meantime, June, man, go to your local theater, see this Fathom Events thing or... You know, book a ticket to New York. It's New York. There's so much to do. You can go get pizza. There's go to a Pudo, get some ramen. It's go to New York, get to get to the you're, barbecue films. You got to do this. You're like one inch away from lapsing into the song. You know that, right? <sighs> New York, New York. No, no, no. We're not. I'm. I can't. I can't. New York, New. York. No, no. It's not gonna happen, guys. Let's talk about real Ghostbusters DVDs before I break into show tunes. Uh, sure. Real Ghostbusters, we talked about it last week. The DVD pre-orders popped up on Amazon um, July 5th. Is that what we determined, Chris, is the release date? And then the additional, these are the for the first five volumes. And then we got yeah. news that more volumes are on the way. Yeah, shout out to uh, TV shows on DVD.com, <laughs> a website that's been around so long. Uh, I remember its inception and yes. the way it resonated around. So I can only hope that uh, he's... Um, uh, <laughs> registered TV shows on Blu-ray.com and it just <laughs> forwards over or whatever. Yeah. But uh, and they're big animation people over there too. They always track these kind of releases, which is nice. Yeah, and they got the the skinny on the the uh, the the RGB DVDs. They got it to the point that they got the covers front and back, which means we got to see so we know the some of the episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and drop the the bombshell that the first five, as we knew, July fifth, and we know what's on them. Uh, September, early September, they will be putting out, uh, six to 10, uh, volume six to 10 for it. Uh, so the plan is to approximately get out the entire series. Yeah. And it, and it sounds like they're going to do it in these, these, as we mentioned last week, these 11 to 12 episode per disc, uh, formats, which, I mean, to me is, is very interesting because if you remember, I think it was back in like 2006, 2007, when they did those, the three discs that came out with five episodes each on them. Yeah. I forget what they call them, but it's, it's basically to put like at the supermarket right next to the, the cashier so that you're like, Oh, Hey, Ghostbusters, throw that in the cart. It's only $5. You know, yeah, they did these little samplers. This leads us to the question of what 
videos are on it. The assumption is, is that it's the same ones that they went on to Time Life. Not the extras, but In the terms same. of the, the masters of the episodes you're the talking about? The masters of yeah. the episodes. Yeah. If that's the case, boy, if you got the Time Life, or even if you can find yourself one at a halfway decent price, that's still the better price point. Because it's still the better price point. Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, so what is that? Uh, uh, times 20, 12. Times 5. Yeah. Uh, times 10, so that's 200 already, and you're only going to be, what's the count, 140, 141, so you're only about uh, just a little over two-thirds of the way to the entire run. Right, and that firehouse was only like 150 bucks, wasn't it? 150, 150 and yeah. you can still find them for roughly that. I mean, eBay's not a great place to go, but Amazon vendors still seem to have a copy here or there. For, right. Well, let's put it this way. We just did the math. If you can get it for under 200 bucks, you're going to be ahead of the game. Uh, yeah. well ahead of the game because you'll have all the episodes you'll have the booklet that came with it and you'll have the extras so not to undermine the, the new ones it's just that Time Life's not producing them anymore uh, I think the average person will, you know this is what they're more inclined to go after. Um, right, right. I think you, you really hit a good point there that somebody actually reached out to me on Twitter and said, well, this is just a lazy release. And, uh, you know, it's it's not lazy. I, I feel like the, the, tr- the, the, the hardcore collectors that really love real Ghostbusters, they already have those time life sets. They have yeah. the full season. They have all the extras. This is now for the average consumer or the new fan who needs to sort of dive into these episodes that they've never really experienced. It's the one aimed at uh, parents picking them up a couple at a time for the kids. Right, Um, right. I don't know if the word ever gets applied to it, but it's amortizing the cost of your cartoon purchases (laughs) for the kids. Yep, Um, You know, you do the math and over, by the time you get to the end of the the series, you're like, my God, that's, you know, pushing 300 bucks and all that with tax and all the blah, 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 blah. Except that's over two years. (laughs) Like, and you only pick them up one at a time or two at a time, or you got, you know, volume three for Billy and volume four for Jill and put it in their stocking. You know what I mean? Like, even if you ended up getting them all, it's been spread it over such a large period of time. Yeah, it it sort of it spreads itself out. And I mean, the good news is these first the five volumes that are coming out in July have a lot of my favorite episodes on them. Solid. I mean, it's it's uh, essentially it's the first two seasons of the show um, with a few extras in there. But uh, so like the the first volume has Ghosts Are Us and Killer Watt and The Boogeyman Cometh and When Halloween Was Forever and Citizen Ghost, like all of the episodes that that we know and we love and we can sort of almost quote by heart. Those are all in the first volume. Take two, Janine's Which means Genie. they've, um, you know, there's somebody with a spreadsheet that's, has worked out the tale, meaning they've put a good foot forward. A lot of the fans will come grab this and they'll assume there'll be a step down in the number of sales for the next five and then a step down. Sure, so the super yeah. hardcores will get to the end. The average public, you know, maybe not buy as many, and since everybody got a first good swing in the first five, you can pick or choose the, you know, the spares that you really want to have on the later one. You know what I mean? Like don't have to get all, you know, the remaining 10, you can go yeah. get the one or two cause you really want, you know, no one comes to Lupusville. Wait, was that on the first five? I can't remember. Uh, I don't. I don't remember seeing that one. I do remember seeing that Ghostbusters in Paris was on volume five, which I thought you would really dig. That's uh, yeah. It's a tie in terms of seriousness. Uh, Ghostbusters go to Paris is you know my number one. Like that was not a kids episode. What the hell? Uh, and then in terms of funny, no one comes to Lupusville was <laughs> uh, vamp. vamp. <laughs> Vampire werewolves, hilarious, and the line turnip. Yes, it is. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, an Egon one. And, and Venkman's Ghost Repellers, I believe that was on volume two. That's actually one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, you know, P- Peter Venkman's dad shows up to cash in on the Ghostbusters franchise. That's that's classic to me. But uh, so, I mean, at any rate, again, I, I probably will not be picking these up unless now here's here's the big catch, because they did mention a digital release for these episodes, which to me is still the big selling yes. point. If I can have these all on my phone, Aha. that's where they're going to get me. I'm going to buy volume one for whatever it is, 20 bucks, because I can get these 12 episodes that's I think that's what this is. The, the DVDs are almost secondary to this. They are really trying to cash in on, you know, uh, Chris, Chris, your little son uh, holding the iPad in his hand. And he now has volume one of the real Ghostbusters that you just bought for 20 bucks. And no, that, I th- to me, that's what no. it's for. The iPad in my little hands watching <laughs> well, the episodes. Uh, I mean, Actually, you can watch, I'll watch it together. It I'll watch it together. Of course. But no, you're right. Like, uh, again, I can't see myself buying 141 episodes on uh, Apple unless there's a, a really big uh, right. package sale or something like that. But I can see myself buying the couple of dozen at you know two bucks each or three bucks each, yeah. whatever the price yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Whatever that ends up being. And and so so to the people bum, that have actually thrown the the people that threw at us, nobody buys DVDs anymore. You are absolutely right because again, I feel like that's completely secondary. This is all about the digital release. So bung 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 bung. I'm just gonna have you do the jingles and all of the transitions. The podcasting Michael Winslow is back. That's right. I'm a cross between Michael Winslow and Bobby McFerrin. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's let's get into Ghostbusters 2016 news uh, because again, there's a lot of it. We have about two pages of it to oh get into God. here. So it's going to ramp up. It's going to be insane. It's going to get to the point where everybody's going to be listening to this and being like, "You didn't talk about this," and that we're we're actually just having now to be very selective about everything that we talk about, which is is great because there's too much to talk about. But uh, especially now that the junket interviews are happening, I feel like there's just going to be an onslaught. All of the the journalists from from every news outlet. We're talking newspapers and blogs and TV and all over the place. Even the Hollywood Foreign Press has probably done a junket at this point. But so all of their interviews are coming out, and we're starting to get all of the cast and crew interviews. Uh, not really giving us a whole lot, but I really did enjoy. Uh, Movie Maniacs, which is a new one to me, but uh, she was she was really great. She got a good interview with Chris Hemsworth. Uh, it was about three minutes. I figure we'll play we'll play a pretty good chunk of it here. There's some new stuff in here to talk about. So here's Chris Hemsworth talking with the Movie Maniacs. Chris, congratulations on being on the new Ghostbuster movie. Thank you. Um, how did you celebrate it? Were you dancing to the soundtrack? <laughs> I should have. That would have been a good <laughs> idea. Um, no, I mean, I, I uh, look. I love the original, and it was a. Uh, you know, it was certainly an appeal to, to relive part of my childhood that, you know, I mean, I grew up on this film like a lot of people. Yeah, next time I'll dance to the theme music. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about Kevin. How do you like his look and who is he? He's, uh, he's the receptionist for the Ghostbusters and he's um, not necessarily the smartest guy in the world um, but or the best receptionist in the world. But he, he has a great enthusiasm and, and sort of... Um, you know, naivety, and he's, he's like a big silly puppy dog, you know? What would you say is the coolest thing about the new Ghostbuster movie? 
Um, I think this cast, you know, the, the, these girls, I, I think, kind of are at the top of the podium in the in the comedic world. And, and Paul Feig, I think, is one of the best directors out there for this genre. Um, and it is kind of, you know, a film or, or a recognisable title that people loved, and, but it's, it's completely unique in its own style. And to see a comedy on this sort of blockbuster platform, I think, is, is hugely exciting. And you had this amazing dancing scene in the movie that almost <laughs> looks a little bit like Magic Mike dancing. Oh, I don't know if it's quite that. <laughs> I don't think it's as cool as Magic Mike. Did you have, <laughs> so you didn't have personal training lessons with Channing? No, I did. No, not with Channing. No, no. no. I should have called him. <laughs> No, this was, I mean, it was, um, it was unique in the sense that it wasn't as kind of, <laughs> I don't know, attractive as that style of dancing. It was kind of more wacky and insane than what they do in that film, I think. Hey, Kevin, to me, Chris, I'm calling it now. He's going to steal the show. I feel like after that featurette and after this interview, I mean, we've, I, with no we've disrespect to the four leads. The, we've called it on half the cast. I guess so that's true. Yeah, Leslie Jones, we said, was going to steal this. And then Kate McKay. Yeah, okay. So there's three people that are going to steal the show. But that's that's a good sign. You have a lot of people that are going to really jump in and, and have a spotlight on them. But, you know, in the meantime, the four leads are actually going out there. And they are, you know, they're doing these featurettes. They just did this one for the Google Science Fair. Um, yeah. Because, it, again, they do these uh, they do these long lead days. I won't get too much into it. But so they, they basically book a hotel and they bring every journalist in town, plus Entertainment Tonight, plus the Google Science Fair, plus uh, FarmersOnly.com, whoever they end up like. I think they have a tie-in with Papa John's based on some of the product placement that I've seen. So I'm sure that Papa John's was there. But basically what they do is they take over the whole hotel and, and every room, the actors just do this round robin. They kind of go through it. And so all those interviews that you see on your local news station, they're doing that that press circuit. Uh, but what they did for the Google Science Fair, I thought was really cool. They did this special setup with all four of the leads. Um, and it's more, it's outreach to get kids into science. You know, everybody now wants to be a filmmaker. Everybody has a camera in their pocket with their phone and everybody has access to editorial software. And Everybody wants to get into filmmaking, myself included, and it's really sad. But but not a lot of people are getting into, you know, being doctors and being scientists and the things that are going to actually advance our civilization, which we really need right now. Come on, kids, help us. We, we need some help. Uh, so they did this cool thing where uh, they're reaching out to all of the scientists of the future and imploring them to join the Google Science Fair. Uh, let's, let's play just a little clip of this here. Hi there, this is Kristen, Melissa, Leslie, and Kate. It's really fun to play a scientist. No one's better at quantum physics than you. <laughs> I always do that. It's even cooler to inspire more people to do science. Guilty as charged. My name is Dr. James Maxwell, and I'm a senior postdoctoral associate at MIT's Laboratory for Nuclear Science. My friends and I loved Ghostbusters, and seeing role models as scientists on the movies, it really led me towards a scientific career. And being a scientist means being curious and trying things. Like the Google Science Fair, where you can try solving a problem or researching something new, and then sharing it with the world. So investigate how you can be the science superhero. Go to the Make Better Generator to find your science passion today. Don't wait. Go! No! Go! Submissions to the 2016 Google Science Fair close on May 17th. Go to googlesciencefair.com to enter today. What will you make better? Yeah, without, without science, there is no proton pack. I mean, without imagination, there's no proton pack too. But without science, there's definitely no proton pack. So... Uh, it's, it's cool. All of this cool stuff is coming out, Chris. And, and, 
you know, we're trying to cover all of the making of stuff. We're trying to keep you guys informed of things, but uh, the more things like this, like the Google Science Fair uh, clip comes out, I really want to shine a light on these because these are the different things that you don't really see other movies doing. So, all right, let's talk about let's talk about Paul Feig's Time Out New York article. Did you see this one, Chris, about bringing Ghostbusters back from the dead? Why no? I hadn't heard a thing about it. <laughs> well, there's okay. There's two articles that I feel like you and I may have had differing uh, viewpoints on. There was this one, and then there was the bloody, disgusting article that came out and said. Uh, here's why you should be excited about Ghostbusters, why it shouldn't have all of this negativity. But then they also kind of, it's a, they do a little uh, backhand in the middle of the article. But let's let's talk about Time Out New York first, because <laughs> uh, everybody that said it's a New York movie, and then they said, why didn't you film in New York? Why did you film in Boston? Paul Feig, he very clearly calls out why they didn't film in New York. You can't film in New York. It sounds logistically impossible with all of the people that are in the city, especially all of the, again, going back to everybody having a camera in their pocket with their phones, paparazzi, people walking around. They had, I guess, this guy, this camera dude that just popped into every one of their shots and then the cops can't pull him out because he, he technically does have a right to be there. It's a public street, but... At which You're point in the middle would, of the shot. Yeah, at which point he'd scream bloody murder. Yeah, exactly. I have a right to be here. I have no frame of reference for unreasonable uh, <laughs> outbursts like that. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, no. it's just it's no, just the all. way the world is. Everybody's got a camera, and you know, technically they have a right. I, it's a civility thing because I mean, t- I think that right goes all the way back in time. It's just that, say, in 1984. Uh, the worst that would happen is they'd block the road and Isaac Asimov would stand there fuming until, you know, they call cut. <laughs> yeah, and then I can't get to my apartment. Come and on. And then he'd tear a strip off of, you know, Aykroyd and Murray. Um, now it's like, <laughs> I have a right to be here. <sighs> Anyways. Yeah, those, those barriers don't mean anything to people now. They just walk right through, if they even notice the barriers at all. But so at any rate, so, so Feig talks about that. He talks about, you know, how... How reverential he is for the original. Um, it's also something that he reiterated to Sam Rubin on KTLA, which we also have a clip of here. Uh, and so I'm going to play this KTLA clip. Um, but before we get to that, Paul Feig was on our friends' podcast, the Yes Have Some podcast, and uh, you know we're it's cool. We'll we'll play Sam Rubin's interview with KTLA, and you guys you guys can talk to him. Uh, we'll just do a recap of what friends what said on on the Yes Have Some podcast. Air quotes, friends. Uh, oh no, Chris, what have you done? We love you guys. Uh, what, have, what have they done? What have they done? Anyway, they so, know what they've done. They know what they've done. Uh, Craig, Abigail, and Jake had a great discussion with Paul Feig, and uh, it and it was completely impromptu, which I have my. Again, my hat is off to them because I think Craig on a whim texted Paul Feig and said, we're doing a live podcast. Will you call in? And he was like, sure. And he goes, yeah, all right, you're not going to call in. Sure enough, he calls in and uh, they had a great discussion with him. The plan was brilliant in its simplicity. (laughs) It really was. I mean, we've we've begged all these people to be on our podcast and we get nothing. You and I have whiteboards full of equations and and we're slowly moving forward. So that's what we did wrong. But anyway, uh, so so they talked to him do it, uh, and it was great because since they were on the spot, they asked about all the questions that are on our minds right this second: toys and the multiverse. And toys, he said, uh, sorry, no six-inch Kevin with Ecto two figures in the plans quite yet. That was the one that uh, Craig and, and Abby asked about. But uh, I believe uh, Dan or Jake, one of the two, asked them about the multiverse. Uh, you know, is 
are you setting up a multiverse here? Is there something in this movie that's going to uh, connect everything together? And Paul Feig, he, he said, no, I think that is possible, but no, that is not in the film. I, I mean, really, if he's been keeping all of this from us, would he admit to there being a multiverse at this point anyway? I mean, <laughs> that's right. And especially when we're going to get it, we're going to get into the merchandise in a little bit here. But uh, I hear you have the CGI likeness of Harold Ramis making a cameo. <laughs> Is that true? Uh, no. Where did you hear that? Absolutely not. That's completely uh, yes. false. I um, will. I don't know where you heard that, but let's let's get it out there. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It, no, poor, it's... poor Paul Feig turns into Martin Short's character from SCTV, and he's like, no, that's preposterous. Why would we have that? I don't know what you're talking about. You it, know, it, it, yeah, it's that old um, national security thing of we can neither confirm nor deny. He's kind of doing the Hollywood one, which he's like, it could be there, but no. What? I don't, yeah, um, no. It's, uh, it's, so he's kind of covering his bases later when they say, it is there. It's like, well, I kind of did say maybe. And, exactly, yeah. So, so so if you haven't heard it, please, please, please go listen to the Yes Have Some. It was their live uh, episode that aired two weeks ago. In the meantime, here's Sam Rubin on KTLA talking to Paul Feig about directing Good Ghostbusters. Morning to you once again from the TCL Chinese Theater and uh, Paul Feig, the man of the hour. And here's the thing, before we get into Ghostbusters and the remake, a close-up, if you will. Paul, you are always impeccably dressed. Well, this is a beautiful Sam. burgundy suit. And the thing is, it's not just for TV. Do you dress up that way on the set? Oh, yeah. Every day every day when I'm filming, I'm in a suit and tie. And, and when I'm in the editing room, I'm in a suit and tie. I can't stop. I sleep in a suit and tie. <laughs> no, but that's so funny because I, I think a lot of people think directors are in a torn T-shirt or a beret or... Well, most are. Most I've, I've, been, I've been voted by Esquire magazine said I was the, like the best-dressed director, which is, is not a... Or person, it's, for it, well, that matter. But it's not a hard thing to hit. Okay. It's sort of like being... <laughs> I don't know. It, uh, but I, I love my fellow DGA. But you, you got to direct how you feel and what you're comfortable in. I'm more comfortable in a suit and tie. And I like pictures of old Hollywood when people were, you know, dressed in suits and ties. Even the crew guys would wear, you know, hats and ties. And I don't know. I like that. Uh, this is not quite old Hollywood, but but you were really struck when you went to the premiere or the, the opening of the original Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. And what I read that you said, which I, I felt the exact same way, never had so many resources mm -hmm. been devoted to a comedy. Oh, no, totally. It, it was such a game changer because, you know, comedy is, is, tends to be a smaller affair. And we didn't know anything about the movie other than we knew it was the guy we liked were in it and we knew there was ghosts so we just sat there like you couldn't believe how cool it was and i'll never forget that when stay puffed first you know was revealed the audience went crazy i remember thinking like if i could do a comedy like that and get that kind of response that would be so cool and then uh, here we come several decades later such a high profile property everyone is attempted and no one has pulled it off. What enabled you to pull it off? Was it the notion of the all-female cast, or what? What? What made this one go the th across the finish line? Yeah, I mean, I'd been approached a couple of times about it for when it was supposed to be a sequel, and I just I couldn't get my head around how 30 years later and going into New York that's already seen the ghost attack twice and having a new team just handed technology. But Amy Pascal, who was running Sony at the time, really stayed on me, and I, so I thought, well, how could I do it in a way that I would have you know a take on it? And then I thought, well, all the funny women I know, if we put them in there and we reboot it as a as a fresh franchise, then, then that, that, got, that inspired me. We're going to look at a clip in just a second, but right. you've had such success with many of these women, bridesmaids, of course, mm. uh, and your partnership with Melissa McCarthy. Were they all easy sells? Did they all say yes? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know, <laughs> <laughs> everybody wants to do Ghostbusters. Everybody wants to be a Ghostbuster. That was so cool. And the, the, sad, the hardest thing was, you know, so many people wanted to do it who are so talented, and it was really hard to figure out the four. But then... I just wanted to get four people with four different comedic energies, and that's what I got with this cast. Terrific. Indeed, he did. Here's a look at the brand new Ghostbusters. Check it out. <laughs> Very good, boy. Like that, huh?
Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. Did you want to? Sorry. sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Okay. Someone is creating a device that amplifies paranormal activity. We need to build something to fight these damn ghosts. Light them up! Patty, you take that aisle, I'll take the far one. Let's do this! Okay, I don't know if it was a race thing or a lady thing, but I'm mad as hell. Uh, Leslie's always hilarious, and, and, and she's, the, I would say, of the, the four who are really quite established, she's the new star. Yeah, I mean, Leslie is such a, a just a breakout talent. Uh, I had never worked with her before, and then when she did her first weekend update on SNL, I was sitting with my wife, and the minute she came on, I was like, who is that? And by, before she was finished with her bit, I was saying to my wife, like, she's in. She is one of our Ghostbusters. She's just so funny. And then Kate McKinnon, who, who was, you know, this is her first big part in a movie, too, and she just destroys. I mean, these are, these are four really, really deep performers. How did you select the appropriate Hemsworth? Because there's so many. I know. What, what do you do? You know, you know what it is? I, when I met Chris early on, he's so delightful and so wonderful and, and with his, you know, when he's just Australian with his accent. So I said, Chris, I just want you to kind of play yourself. You'll play like a goofy version yourself but I want you to have your accent so that you can just you can just kind of your personality can come through and he's one of the most amazing improvisers that handsome guy funny like truly funny let me know and there's a distinction by you there is you, you, no, you, handsome you, guy you, funny you're like yeah he's probably funny and then somebody's like oh my god you're really funny so that's Chris is the second blessing and the burden of social media so when the trailer initially came out some reaction that wasn't as positive as one would have liked what did that feel strange to you or no you know what the great thing about Ghostbusters is people have such passion for this franchise and I get it, you know, and some people get nervous if you're going to reboot something or touch it. But, uh, you know, all I can say is, you know, when Ivan made the original 30 years ago, 32 years ago, it was all about entertaining an audience, making people laugh, giving them a few scares, but really just letting them have a great time. And that's all we care about in this movie. Everybody on this movie, we just want to entertain you and make you laugh. Well, I tell you what, I think you're going to likely accomplish that. Paul Feig here. We'll go back to you guys in Hollywood. But again, admire uh, Jessica. Have you ever seen a man? Drink it in. Drink it's it very in. Very best, <laughs> best too. Handsome. All right, Chris, we have Drink to, God, let's see. We have a page and a half of merchandise to talk about. No, you Ooh. have a page and half of merchandise. Oh, I'm still you. sitting in the wasteland of Canada where uh, nothing is showing up yet. Somebody, Somebody's bitter. We'll get it to you, buddy. Nothing. Don't worry about it. We're going to get you ecto-cooler. Nothing okay. has shown okay, up. It's okay, buddy. Oh, it's all right. We'll take care of you. Don't People, our listeners <laughs> will take care of you. Who's patronizing the Canadian? <laughs> you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Uh, no, I, but I do have to give I have to give a shout out to you and I talked about not getting the Empire magazine and it was actually incredible the outpouring of people from the UK that said I'll send you one uh huh oh my god thank you so much guys that was absolutely incredible um, so at the I, end of the I, day I think it was actually some Americans who were sending copies to me oh really if I recall correctly I'm god. not gonna name shout now uh, but I'm just gonna be effusive when they show up and I have full names and all that but, oh, okay, uh, good. Well, yeah. but yes there was several people on Twitter and all that that, that the, the the episode dropped and they all just immediately started uh, uh, pinging me if I needed them and all that and at a certain point I was tossing them over to you because I was like I think I'm covered yeah. but maybe Troy oh my god or... very just super I mean very generous of people um, so thank <laughs> thank you to everybody that responded thank now, you now, that said, if anybody wants to get me an official PlayStation 4 <laughs> magazine from the UK, 
because uh, I know because I know there's no Americans that can get that. Nope. Uh, yeah, it's it's coming. But uh, okay. Oh, so let's, well, no. Well, that's no. Actually, we'll start here. It's not for sure. This is the UK PlayStation Four magazine. The, it is a separate animal from the American ones. So well, it's I think quite, yeah, the Xbox magazine is the same thing too. I think it all comes down to whoever has the publishing rights uh, in the UK. Um, totally yeah. different magazine. They still do the pack-ins with the discs, which is really cool. Yeah, so it's quite possible it may not hit the shores, but there's a cover article in the new PlayStation 4 magazine, official magazine. Uh, Lord only knows what's in it, but I'm desperate to see it. Yeah, what 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 entails that Ghostbusters Activision game? We really want to know. Actually, uh, I haven't but, even checked. It's quite possible you can buy a digital copy of that, too, and I haven't even gone looking. Oh, but, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that, that would make sense, too. That's but, what I did with the, um, the SFX one that was so hard to find physically until I finally did manage to find it. Um, I bought the, the, the digital copy. Yeah, um, I had that digital copy of it. But yes, yeah, uh, long and the story short, a big thanks to everybody that offered up to us. I'm I'm sure at a certain point, uh, the 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 strange network of mailing merch back and forth. This is only the beginning because I know every time, especially some of the stuff you and I are about to talk about. There's always yes. somebody going oh, UK, yeah. and it's like no, and inevitably somebody goes we get nothing and i'm like have you seen the rocket merchandising list You're oh my god everything. they're getting everything the uk is getting everything yeah so every but... country is sitting around going you get all the good stuff the grass is always greener the merch is always cooler <laughs> the merch is always cooler on the other uh, side yeah on the other side of the pond um well let's i mean because uh speaking of merch being uh, greener on the other side uh, target has an exclusive we're starting to see all of the exclusive uh, uh, items yes like Walmart has the exclusive uh, four original Ghostbusters Mattel figures. Target now has this Ghostbusters Protect the Border, or Protect the Barrier. Protect, protect the, the Barrier border. game. There's a lot of politics going on in my head right now. Uh, protect the yep. Barrier board game. Uh, um, but, and and just, it's, it's a and Target around, exclusive, and it looks yeah, awesome. Just to round it out, we'll get back to the board game. Just to round out the exclusives on eBay, a Dana showed up in that... Um, stripped down packaging, just like wave one of the, the of diamond, the diamond? Yeah. No, t- no, um, it's the smaller package. It's not oh. a temple piece and it showed up on eBay. So apparently it answers our question. Are they going to do that with all of them? It looks like. Apparently yes. so. So maybe those are showing up in Toys R Us as a we're Toys speaking. R Us exclusive. Who so knows? anyways, um, interesting. But- board game so yeah so so board games we have the protect the barrier board game coming out which looks really great it's got a rowan uh, minifigure it has a lot of the it's got like the four uh female leads as many minifigures and it looks like kind of a settlers of Catan. like it's it's again a tile-based game that you can piece together so that's that's really exciting um oh no actually no i'm 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 misspeaking that's the one that kind of looks like clue isn't it Oh, I've, has only like seen the, the co- I've only seen the cover. I have not seen anything of the interior oh, okay. Yet. So if I remember correctly, actually, the game board itself, I'm sorry, everybody. Again, bear with me. I'm still sick. But the board game itself looks like Clue because it's the Mercado building, and you have to clear all of the rooms of the Mercado building from all of the ghosts before Rowan uh, closes in on you and, and, and kills you. So uh. so that that one looks like a lot of fun. I don't. We don't have a release date. It's not in anybody's Target stores yet. It just showed up on their website randomly, and we have no other information besides what's on target.com so so that one's coming but what we do know in terms of board games is that ghostbusters 2 from cryptozoic made a killing again i mean they didn't hit the million dollar mark which i thought they were going to do again three quarters but yeah i mean seven hundred and sixty seven thousand five hundred and sixty eight. but who's counting that is still pretty impressive i mean 
for a Ghostbusters board game based on a sequel that came out in 1989 and you almost made a million dollars on a board game for it, guys, that you have a killer product in hand. I mean, you you know yeah. what to do here. So they and they solved the they answered the question we had about the Egon People Buster and put an ad on with all the people busters. Yep. Yeah. And they, they reshuffled all of the stretch goals too, so that it, we made sure that we get all of the extreme Ghostbusters. I mean, again, Cryptozoic, Cryptozoic is really going out of their way to make this the best game that they possibly can. Yeah. We came just shy of uh, Jogger Ghost, I think. Was that the next so stretch goal that we missed? That was the next one. Oh. We missed it by that much. And at a guess, they didn't say which, but by the outline, I thought it it looked like uh, Ghostbusters 2 Dana, like um, uh, Big Scarf Dana or whatever you want to call big her. Scar- wearing uh, Peter's trench coat Dana, that uh, that version? Or um, or the beginning of the movie Dana is kind of, oh, yeah. who knows. But it uh-huh. had the, the whole Dana hair thing going on. So I'm assuming uh-huh. it was a Dana of some sort, which is a shame because I don't think we have a Dana. We still don't have a Dana figure yeah. from the first or the second game. So that's, that's a, a bit disappointing, but... I mean, again, we say disappointing, but I'm sure Cryptozoic, they're still, you know, uh, popping the champagne over there because they really, they really hit it here. And uh, so those games, I would anticipate, again, they're going to start shipping again in October. They have a different shipping carrier this time around. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see I, what happens. I mean, I know a lot of people were upset with them last time. Um, they were very, you know... Uh, open about what was going on and all that, which sure. is yeah, absolutely. Not, not the same as solving the problems, but it's better than, you know, operating in silence. Um, and I think they worked out a lot, lo- learned a lot of lessons and worked out a lot of kinks. Yeah, so yeah. I don't think we're going to have to wait a full year to get the game this time. Well, and, and, uh, they also have the trading cards, which were shipping simultaneously. So their, their no. Kickstarter ended no. and the trading cards came out on the no. exact same day. You have the cards. I don't have the cards. I don't have any cards. I was going to um, ask if you had cards because I don't no. have any cards. Um, unless other parts of Canada have gotten them, it's a bit of a mystery up here. I uh, went and sp- spoke to my local comic purveyor. Uh, nothing showed up. Um, the listings are still the orders from May of last year. Uh, some people were reporting online those were canceled. Um, he wasn't able to find like the listing for the binders is strange because it gi- it shows one binder, gives a description oh. of one binder, but then only lists orders for uh, cases, a case lot of them. It won't tell you how many is in the case, but it's about two hundred bucks. So he's guessing ten. Um, and then the everything says July, uh, beginning of July, like it ships oh. when Whoa. meanwhile, Cryptozoic's online going out now. And, and we know they exist because speaking of our air quote friends at yes, have some Craig, uh, posted a video, uh, he ordered cards and I guess got them to open it. It was a little strange. Um, I didn't have a look yet, but <laughs> he posted a video saying he got them and he had somebody open them. He had somebody them. do like a live unboxing so he knew which cards they were. That's funny. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but, oh, uh, man. But so that takes did. the fun out of it. Craig, what? No, that was that was your job. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's, all right. That's being a little too anxious, I think. But um, end of the day, they are shipped. So, you know, Cryptozoic's well, that's not interesting, lying. But, but there it are orders being now. canceled. That's that's the interesting part. I wonder if they had too much demand and they, they can't fulfill all of the demand. Well, no. That's the strange. The cancellation is, like I said, they started taking these cards got announced ages ago and took a long time to come out. And we know for a fact that the sketch cards were being done up until 
practically just a few weeks ago, really. Well, it feels like that. I don't know how long it takes to print and package them and all that, but it felt like until very, very recently that some of the special ones were still being made, not the regular cards. Um, but they initially started taking orders uh, last year, and Diamond will only hold orders for a certain period of time. If it goes oh. long, they will dump those orders. Uh-huh. Um, so then there comes the question of... Um, <laughs> did my local guy reorder? Can he reorder? Um, lots of questions. Mm. I've had people talking about ordering from the States. I'm not prepared to do that because uh, I went looking. Uh, a card dealer in Chicago is selling cases of... And they're the, already gouging the prices? or doesn't? I don't know that they're necessarily gouging the prices, but if you want to buy a case, you're looking at 900 plus shipping. Whoa! Not a box, cases. Oh. So we're talking about increments. Case, I yeah. think they said 24 boxes. But uh, still, the I mean, box that's, that's a hefty investment. In, Even if you can resell those to your to everybody in Vancouver and, and across the border, but wow. Yeah, I mean, if you can find 10 friends, that's, you could probably each be guaranteed you're getting a set. Sure, uh, but But still. frankly, I don't like dealing with people. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to think about the whole, but I wanted that autograph card. Uh, yeah, I'll flip you don't want to get into it, that. And then there's a murder and, and an RCMP investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you don't want to do that. Just just take out the home loan and, uh, yeah. you know, buy it by the case. I um, found another one that was listing buying a case for 79 bucks US, but right now that mm. means it flops. 80 bucks flops into blah, 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 100 bucks Canadian-ish plus shipping, uh, which will be in US, which means blah, 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 it'll turn into, you know, a, a much higher Canadian price. Yeah, it just increases and, and increases. that's the kind of way bill that I'm pretty sure border will go, <laughs> and you owe us an extra 50 bucks in yep. tariffs. Yeah, on top remember, of that, we're going to hold your package hostage. Because remember, the free trade agreements do not cover nerd items. <laughs> Um, so I'm just kind of sitting here holding my breath. I know they're going to show up. I just don't know. All right. Well, for your sake, I when. hope they show up soon because I know you've been, you've been anxiously awaiting those cards and I, I want you to have them so I can <sighs> share your joy. But, uh, <sighs> Uh, for now, you just sound really angry, so I Despair. hope they show up so that you can you can be Darkness. happy. Darkness. <laughs> no parents. No cards. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's do some rapid fire because we have a lot of merch to still get through. Oh so God. Let's let's talk about. I think it's Hada uh, or Jada. I'm not entirely sure. I, I think the J is silent. Maybe it's Hada. It's Yogging. Uh, but uh, these diecast figures, I don't know if you saw these. They're I really did. cool. They're highly stylized. They kind of remind me of like the um, the Power of the Force Star Wars figures that came out from Kenner back in the 90s where everybody was like Roid Rage, uh, Han, and Luke. A lot of stylized figures. I'm wondering when we're going to hit that upper limit of I don't need another stylized yeah, I mean, set of characters. Between the, between the idols and the pop vinyls and the dorbs and the emojis and the all these, I mean, it's... I, I think we're starting to get into the point where what else, what else can we do? How about we make them all like super buff, like they're at Gold's Gym? Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Now, those are die cast. I suspect those are way more limited. I would think uh, as so. As an item. Similar to the, uh, oh, who made those? The crazy sparkly Stay Puffs and all that. Was that Funko? Another one of those Funko lines. I think it was one of the Funko offshoots. Yeah, yeah, they were limited. Like there's only two thousand or something like that. Um, so at any rate, these were these were spotted at a at a 
trade convention um, by uh, by somebody out on Twitter. I don't really have a whole lot more information about them no except for what they look like too so we're not entirely sure when they're coming out or how you know, how limited they will be how much they'll how be big, how heavy um, exactly exactly so uh in the meantime stay tuned on those uh sorry for everybody that loves the disney infinity uh condolences uh it's sad news that they are discontinuing that line but you know what lego dimensions still going strong and yeah. uh, the you, slimer you, level just came out right chris did you pick it up uh, not yet. Uh, I'm off to go get one. Uh, I have had some people who've played it. I, <laughs> everything I play, there's always some people that like work it out to the nth degree more than I do. Uh, from Hero Clicks on, there's people that know it inside and out. And somebody <laughs> messaged when I, I posted that Slimer was out there into the world. This is a must-have character, apparently, for any LEGO Dimensions player because he's super versatile. Oh, man. Um, so you can use him throughout the entire game. Yeah, he's got a lot of different abilities uh, that normally you'd have to have a couple of different characters for, including um, <laughs> he has hot dog rings he hot dog rings he similar to batman throwing batarangs he throws hot dogs so if you oh, have like man. targets to trigger things uh if you don't have Bat, well you everybody has batman but if you don't want to go in with batman you can take in slimer and he'll just throw <laughs> hot dogs at it which is <laughs> does he like awesome. spit them out of his mouth too oh no he or? throws them he throws them yeah. oh, okay but still okay so and and he comes with another level too right it's it's one of those packs that comes with the figures and the additional like bonus level uh, that I can't swear to. Okay. I think he might. Yeah, it looked like some new level stuff, but I, I can't swear. Have been a yet. little. Well, you and I recorded last week while I was on the road. Good indication I've been kind of busy the last little exactly. while. Exactly, yeah, I, you haven't been able to crack into yeah. it yet. Uh, wouldn't be surprised. Um, all I know is, is I'm getting it one way or another. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I've invested it, in the platform. I'm going to get a good, good collection of characters and uh, just enjoy it into my old age. Yeah, get your Ghostbusters fix in while you still can. Uh, Funko, they sent out a press release to us. The pop vinyl figures for the new movie. Uh, very cool stuff coming out. Uh, I love the new Holtzman that comes with the Ectomobile. It's kind of like they're, the Winston that came with the Ectomobile. They're pop rides. Yes. Um, pop rides. Which solved yeah. the mystery. They never produced a regular run Winston. He only came in the little pop ride, which always kind of annoyed me because it's a smaller character. Uh, somebody pointed out there's an exclusive that went into stores of the four of them uh, covered in marshmallow goop, and they have a Winston. It's a four pack. So uh, if you want a regular size Winston, you can get them yeah, for a slightly premium pack. price. Yeah. Uh, but yes, they didn't go that way with uh, the new movie. Uh, all four characters coming out regular size, and you get your pop rides, Holtzman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So very, very cool with the pop vinyls. Uh, Monster High, there's an announcement. Uh, as we record this, the full announcement is not out yet, but... Uh, uh, yeah, would you like to speculate? I, I Yeah, because I Monster High has always been kind of like the Bratz dolls to me. I kind of have no idea what these things are. So do you do you know anything about these? What, yeah, what are you doing I here? I have a niece. Oh, so. see, there we go. Okay. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, uh, let's take the Universal Monsters and... Um, slam it together with Barbie dolls and sell them to tweens and that's, or whatever younger than tweens. And that's but they what they look did. Like anime characters too, don't they? They yeah. kind of have like the exaggerated features and that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Like they're, uh, what are they called? Uh, Keen's kids or whatever. They have the big eyes and all that sort of thing. Right. They, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, you know, it's not like Barbie super realistic, but, well, uh, no, yeah, I mean, these ones are still, yeah. bigger heads, all that sort of thing. Um, but it was all monster themed, which frankly I thought was very, very cool. Um, 
you know, uh, it, it ran a nice counter to the whole frilly princess toys. <laughs> yeah, we exactly. were talking like Frankenstein. One girl's like a Frankenstein monster. Another one's wrapped up as a mummy and all that stuff. Oh, like, that's eh, pretty cool. It's pretty right. cool. But the exact same approach as Barbie doll, lots of accessories and clothes and all that sort of thing. DVDs, you name it. Um, yeah, the little teaser there, they'll, by the time this goes to air on Monday, uh, Friday, they will have revealed it, uh, exactly what it is, but they've told us enough. It's an exclusive, at San Diego comic-con this year, which is only a couple of months away. Yep. Getting close. Yeah. Uh, or a month away, a couple of months away. It doesn't matter. Yeah. End of July. Yeah. End of July, a couple of months away. And, um. We see, A, they drive people nuts because they posted their little Vine-esque loop clip and it's running the, the, the theme remix that's in the trailer. So all these people are like, just give us the song, Just give please. us the music. Um, which is actually interesting because it does mean that that's probably a version that we will be able to get. It's not, you know what I mean? Like it's not simply production. It sounds like it's been produced and they're handing it around for, for usage. Um they have slime coming down. Uh, so all we really get to see is the kind of the, from the shins down of what we're assuming is one of the, the monster high girls, but she's wearing the 2016 uniform. It's the, you can see this, uh, okay. the shins and the striping and all that sort of thing. And then a kind of vaguely blurry slimer flies in front. So it feels a lot like, you know, the, the thematically similar monster or uh, thematically compatible monster high uh, is crossing over with, I don't know who produces it. I'm assuming probably Mattel. I would because. imagine it's Mattel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they're, they're, they're just doing a little bit of synergy and at San Diego Comic-Con, you're going to be able to get yourself a Ghostbusters 2016 monster high. Nice. Probably with a little Slimer. With a little Slimer accessory. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to put it out there now. I got a niece, uh, who I know is gung ho for the new movie, um, and loves Monster High. So if anybody's going to San Diego <laughs> Comic Con or yeah, works for Mattel, Mattel or, line, yeah, uh, Mattel does tend to sell a certain amount online. So I think I'm probably going to be able to find one one way yeah, or another. Yeah. But, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll look out for you, too. I mean, we've got the Mattel toy store just down the street from me in El Segundo. And sometimes, I, I can't guarantee you, but sometimes they show up at the toy store after Comic-Con because they have a few leftovers. But uh, uh-huh. we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, so so very exciting for people that, that uh, know and love the Monster Highline. Um, okay, we've got one more thing on the merch rundown, and then we're going to get into our main conversation uh, here. But... I, I think it's kind of a spoiler, Chris. So I'm almost inclined to, to throw a spoiler warning on this and tell people if you don't want to know this, just to be safe. Uh, fast forward, hit 15 that 15 seconds. second skip 15 until second. you hear the music for our main conversation. Uh, just just in case, I don't I don't know. We're going to talk about it. We're going to speculate on it. So I don't know if it's a, spe- a spoiler or not. But hit that skip button until you hear music if you want to remain spoiler free. Ready, set, go. Okay, Chris. The Ecto Mini of Kevin wearing the classic Proton Pack. What does that mean? <laughs> is it just, is it a manufacturing thing? Did they just craft the figure with the Proton Pack on it because they wanted to have Kevin in the line? Does he show up wearing the classic Proton Pack in the movie? Like, is this something, is, is this one of those leaks like uh, Qui-Gon's Noble Death on the soundtrack to Phantom Menace? Like, are we seeing something we're not supposed to here? I would put a podcast bet on it being a lead time issue. 
Yeah, that that would be my guess too. That like, oh, Kevin, Chris Hemsworth is in this movie. We know he wears glasses. Because uh, just to be frank, design it, him like this, it doesn't really look a lot like Chris Hemsworth. It has the rough, approximate features. He look it. If you read the police report, <laughs> it would it would be about right. Blonde hair, glasses, uniform. Yeah, and um, and, and you. But it's, there's nothing that screams Chris no, Hemsworth. No, not not really. And and you have to kind of keep in mind because we actually, we mentioned it last week. The the Ecto Minis. We again on good authority know that they made these. They they designed these well in advance of the actual post production of the film when they designed the ghosts. So that's why you have Miss Slimer and a rat ghost and all of these things that are probably not in the movie. So maybe Kevin wearing the proton pack is is a result of that, but. It's just, it's such a strange thing because all of the, like the four female leads are wearing the new, um, you know, redesign of the proton pack. So it seems like it was a conscious decision on somebody's part, whether or not that's in the movie or not remains to be seen. Well, we do know from the, the extras that showed up on the secret website that, um, in one of their behind the scenes shot, there was an original proton pack, but it was kind of suggested that it was there for observational and inspirational purposes. Yeah, it was there for reference, and we know that that's actually Sean Bishop. Uh, shout out to Sean. That's actually his proton his pack, pack that yeah. he loaned to the production for them to uh, to take a look at. Um, given what we've seen and that there is this sense of hardware progression, um, it seems really weird that somehow we'd end up with the original movie pack. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, why would that happen a, now? It is such yeah. a weirdly different design aesthetic that it's kind of like, it doesn't wouldn't doesn't make any sense. I, I'm putting my bet on they had not enough information and the lead time they needed. You know they needed to get it designed and worked out and the order into China and back in time for the movie, and it just didn't work out. Yeah. So they, or, so they, or in they the end, had the like they had the mold for the Egon figure and they figure well if we change the hairstyle to Egon, yeah, good point, right? Uh, you know maybe it was easier that way. I, I again, it's with the Ecto Minis. There's so many of them. I'm sure they had to design like 500 of them. And last, last week you talked about, well, it's four thirty. What else we got? How about uh, Kevin? Great. Everybody out. Peace. You know, uh, it could have happened that way. So uh, fun, fun to speculate on. Absolutely. Um, and it's a fun figure. I, that's one of the Ecto minis that I want because it looks awesome. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, I'm excited about it. Hey, Troy. Hey, Chris. Bob from New York, and I have a major problem. So I've been listening to all the whole podcast you guys have been putting out, and sad to say it, I finally hit the wall, and now I only get one podcast a week. I am sad, rather depressed. I don't know what to do. Please help me. Thank you very much. Hey, Troy. Hey, Chris. It's the old friend Bernie from Hempstead, Maryland. So today is Saturday, the first Saturday in May. So it's free comic book day, yay! I've been going to local comic shops, making my rounds with my proton pack, and uh, just spreading smiles in the community, you know? <laughs> like Google said, sis. Like always, see you on the other side. All right, so for everybody that's looking at your watch right now, yes, we are at 
a little over an hour, but uh, it's actually been a while since Chris and I have had just a, a discussion, a conversation with each other, and uh, it seems like this is the the right time for a a point counterpoint between Chris and I because it, you know the the closer we get to the release of the movie, the the louder that the fervor becomes on on Twitter, on Facebook, on anywhere that you are interacting with other human beings even if it's on a ra- on a street with a random stranger and you go ghostbusters they go that movie sucks like it's it's just it's hitting that fever pitch where yeah. i feel like i i kind of want to have a state of the union with you chris because it's there's a whole lot that's worth discussing we glossed over some stuff last week that actually became something that we do need to discuss this week and yeah. I, I feel like the, we, and, we need to talk some stuff out man and the fears <laughs> talk it that, out. the fears that it it might only get more intense too. Frankly, for the last little while, I've felt the noise on social media is, what do I liken it to? Louis Del Grande leading up to his exploding head in scanners, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the newsreader in scanners. Yep, absolutely. That you whole, actually put, you posted that animated gif too of George <laughs> McFly with yeah. the headphones on with the Van Halen blasts in his ears too. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, where do you want to start, Troy? Well, so let's let's start with... So last week we talked about it. It was one of those clickbait headlines that we we do our best to sort of sift through all of the news items and things that come out to actually just to talk about the most pertinent things to you guys. And we saw the the headline that Paul Feig calls all the geeks assholes. And we're like, great, clickbait. Don't care. Moving along. But this thing picked up steam. It became one of those, uh, again, that's it's easily resharable. It's something that got a lot of attention. It really drew clicks to all of these websites that posted articles that then became derivative of other articles that then yeah. became derivative of other articles. And it turned into this just snowball effect where poor Paul Feig, people were lashing out about him like, well, I'm a geek. Does that mean that I'm an asshole? And that's not what he said at all. So Yeah. It, yeah. He basically, the quote was that nerd culture is full of some of the biggest assholes he's ever met. Yeah. And to which from a completely uh, calm standpoint, I would not disagree. Uh, I mean, a very, I mean, I think what it is, is there are very passionate people that are very dedicated, are very vocal and are very, well, here's uh, the thing. Attentive to here's the thing. Yes. And what, what happened was, is people were like, well, I'm check as applies. I'm in the nerd culture. Am I an asshole? Screw you. It's like, well, no, he didn't say that. He said, he obviously said some of, yeah, you're not an asshole. He probably didn't mean you, but they took it personal. Uh, I've met Paul Feig. Am I an asshole? It's like, I don't know. Are you? Because he I didn't mean you, right? Like you, you seem just... to have taken offense to it, so I therefore think that maybe you are because you're getting really defensive right yeah, now. Yeah, the the line me thinks you know thou doth protest too much there, uh, yeah. buddy. But but at the end of the day, it all comes down to passion. Yeah, passion for and, your and... fandom. And let's be honest here. Holy crap! I mean, we've always advocated that while Ghostbusters was not you and I talked about this in the early episodes. It's not. Star Wars level. It's not Star Trek level. Like those are two very big, dense, colorful fandoms that go back a long ways. Right. Ghostbusters right. is kind of the kid brother to them because it toddled along maybe 10 years 
you know, after those ones, you know, so Star Wars yeah. 79. I'd almost equate Trek it to like Ninja or, Turtles. Yeah. Like it came out that same period, like late 80s, like mid to late 80s yeah, um, but, on, the, on the flip side of those films. But Ghostbusters in its own way exists somewhere as kind of larger than TMNT. It's even larger than, and, and you know, I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. My impression is that as big and as popular as it is, Ghostbusters is still kind of a different and bigger animal than uh, Back to the Future, right? Like it's, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are fan communities for Back to the Future, there no are, doubt. And it's and, it's, and every the thing about these is the general population loves them as well. So, uh, you you know, your next door neighbor loves Back to the Future. Your next door neighbor loves Ghostbusters. They love Bill Murray. Yeah. They, they these are very identifiable movies. Where exactly. sometimes. Star Trek and Star Wars are not so identifiable. Some people look at Star Trek and they go, that's ah, too heady for me. Or Star Wars are like, ah, I liked it when I was a kid, but not so much anymore. You but know? Ghostbusters in its own unique way, and this is why I kind of equate it as close to Star Wars and Star Trek, made a global stamp, right? Like right, um, yeah. everybody, you know, everybody knows the answer to who you're going to call. The white paper that said the logo was the second most recognizable after Coke, right? You can't say those things about Back to the Future, it had a big impact. I'm not, I'm not picking on Back to the Future. It's just a really good example. It's roughly the same time frame. Had sequels. It's very popular. It's very fun. Has merch. All that stuff. But yeah, the DeLorean it, is iconic. You know, yeah. it has its own icon- iconographic uh, elements to it. It's not quite the same level though, yeah. uh, as Ghostbusters. And if the last year and a half has proven anything, uh, we were right because. Holy crap, the entire world has stepped up. So vocal. Everybody has a voice. And to me, I, I think so yeah, that's that's a really great segue in, Chris, because here's here's my question, and this is maybe this is the topic of, of conversation at first, because I at a certain point when I was sitting watching uh, Civil War last over the weekend. So good. So good. But at a certain point I sat there and I thought Oh my God, we are we're living in this Renaissance period for geek and nerd culture. I mean, I am sitting here watching Captain America: Civil War, which is a Marvel comic book movie in continuity with Marvel comic book movies that have come before. I'm essentially watching the pages of a comic book unfold before me. This is not the comic book movies that came out in the '80s or even before then. This is something that's very sophisticated. It's very um, it, it it relies upon the mythology that came behind it. But okay, but that's just one, that's Civil War, and I've got this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then I get in my car, and I'm listening to a Star Wars audiobook after I've seen uh, a new Star Wars film that continued the continuity of the Star Wars movies that I knew and I loved before, and then I turn on my TV, and I've got Arrow, and I've got Flash, and I've got Legends of Tomorrow, and then... I turn on the internet and I can buy pop culture toys for anything, anything and everything, Firefly, Serenity, all yep. the stuff that I love. This we were being so unbelievably spoiled, and we are living in such an awesome time that twenty years from now, people are going to look back and go, "God, that was like the nineteen eighty seven of of summers." Because we had a Star Wars movie, we had a Ghostbusters movie, we had a X Men movie, we had a Marvel movie, all of these things. So why are the negative voices? overwhelmingly the loudest. That's what I can't figure out because to me, man, I am on cloud nine. Like I am in pure joy, bliss land of everything that is happening that, because look, every day sucks. Everybody hates their jobs. Everybody hates something about their lives, but you escape with this escapism 
and we have so much right now. What, why? I don't understand all the hate. I mean, I know the internet loves to hate stuff. I know that negative people exist. I know that everybody has a voice now, which means that at least 50% will be negative. Why okay. is this happening? Well, let's walk through it. One, there's no surprises. We've, we've seen this coming for a year and a half. We've been able to watch into its production. They've they've had to trickle stuff out to us in the hopes that, you know, to offset leaks, et cetera. Right, right. Whereas in, back in 1984, a couple of star logs the month, a couple of months before the movie came out, you know what I mean? Like, that's what we got. And we went and saw it, right? Yeah. And, you knew like in December, you saw an ad or a TV commercial or that trailer that a movie was coming out in June, but people didn't know what Ghostbusters was. Like they had no idea. Uh, yeah, and, and, I, and a lot of people, again, there's a lot of passion to delineate the two, and people go, but it was new and original. It's like, you kind of get that same experience with things that aren't us revisiting this nostalgia thing, like these tentpoles. Movies come out all the time um, that we didn't hear about until almost pretty much the last minute. Like, look at uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Right. Uh, boy, they yeah. kept that one under wraps. Nobody knew. Um, yeah. Um, oh, what do they call it? Mr. Holmes. Boy, that only popped up a few months before it hit theaters. Uh, I mean, that's not exactly a science fiction movie, but I'm a Sherlock but Holmes yeah, nerd. It's something, so. it's something that you would know. I mean, it's Ian yeah. McKellen. You would know that that yeah. movie was coming out. These yeah. things are, you know, if you watch for it, there are great looper. Just as a good example. Holy cow. Fantastic movie that we knew nothing about until a couple of months before. Uh, we really didn't have time. It was barely enough time for the internet to to complain about the makeup prosthetics on uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, but then that leads to my second thing: the internet. They're yeah. so loud because there's a it's an echo chamber. Not only does everybody suddenly have a megaphone, because before, even if you didn't like what you saw in the couple of months before it. Yeah, your ability to complain about it was picking up your comics on Wednesday at the comic shop to a crowd of six. Like you really, <laughs> you didn't have it, right? Like yeah, there was, you there was, was nothing. a disgruntled kid in the comic shop or the disgruntled adult in the comic shop, and it was like, so, yeah, that guy's just angry, whatever. They redesigned Batman, and he's pissed. You know, so it's, now, it's one of those yeah. things. Now you've got uh, multiple audiences. You can go to a message board, complain for two days until you get fed up, talking to you know few dozen people that are responding to you and a few hundred people that are reading and potentially thousands over time. And then you move to the next message board yeah. and the next message board and post on social media and blah, blah, blah. And then there's other people, which again, only kind of bolsters. And this might be the third point that you feel validated and people are mistaking yeah. validation with being correct. And this is not a correct or not situation. This is correct or not within your own personal uh, likes and dislikes, yeah, I guess. It's, it's your own opinion. You're absolutely correct with your own yeah, opinion. It's not so. It's not objective right and wrong. It's subjective right or wrong. And unfortunately, that means there's going to be noise after the movie comes out because I think there's a lot of people that don't like right. the movie. They're going to go in. They're going to not like the movie and they're going to come out and say, I was right all along. It was horrible. It's like, you were right. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, you know your own tastes. Yeah, Good for you. Yeah, you know your own tastes. You knew you were not going to like that. But I, so... But that does not I mean... mean other people did not like it. Yeah, that doesn't mean that other people were wrong. And I I don't know. I mean, maybe 
because maybe the way I framed it was incorrect because look, people are entitled to their opinions and, and Chris, you more so than anybody have to deal with that because of the proton charging page. I mean, you have uh, like 50,000 people that, that visit the proton charging Facebook page. So obviously there are going to be people, there are going to be people that don't like the movie. There are going to be people that don't like Legos. There are going to be people that don't like the color red. That just comes when you have that cross section of people. So yes, you're entitled to your opinion. You can be negative by all means. Like if you don't like something, that's totally fine. I don't like a lot of stuff. Um, Prior to them announcing the new movie, the most we got was I would put up, look, uh, and we've kind of still seen it a little bit over the last little while. So I'll use current examples like, uh, sure, sure. Uh, I don't know, the ecto cooler candles, right? I put it up. Eight people go, that's awesome. 47 people click like, and the one guy goes, Neh. No. Yeah, it's just a candle. What do I need a candle well, for? It, yeah. it doesn't say anything. Like Now, at the end of the day, you didn't really have to say anything, but it was short and sweet. Okay, great. Uh, Don't get oh, it. Oh, you're still, like the people that just keep saying nope or no or yeah. Nope. Right, no. Nope. Great. Thanks Meh. for the engaging conversation. Yeah, Not exactly. for me. But but that's fair, right? It's like again, I don't know that you'd necessarily, and that's kind of the root of this other thing too. There is this: I want to be heard. It's like, okay, yeah, great, you were heard. That's, like, you were heard, and and actually, yeah. that's just common courtesy. There's room for people to come in and say, meh. I I didn't like it when people went meh look stupid. It's like, well, okay, it's not for you. Yeah, exactly. It's when you kind of step beyond that, that I start getting a little annoyed. And when you then start to repeat that, I get really annoyed. And yeah, when you when it's start the same re- thing over and over, then it's just trolling. Then it's just, you're, you know that you're getting a rise out of people. So you're doing it on purpose, at least in my eyes. It's really hollow validation. It really is. Yeah. And I know that's what they're going for. It's tickling the amygdala really, you know, but, oh God, it's just, it's not reasonable. And like I said, the thing that pushes me over the edge is when it's kind of like I, you know, I put up ecto cooler, you know, scented candle. If I put that up today within four, somebody would be like, yeah, but it's still better than the new movie. It's like, no, no. Yeah. Well, and, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like you, I, I can actually create a color gradient of, the color of my face as I deal with some of these all the way up to the end of the line, which is, you know, small child having fun uh, sucks to be her. It's like GTFO. Yeah. That's a small Just, child having fun. So, Oh my God. Yeah. And you had to say something about it. So, and, but that's, that's the point where it gets to, and this is kind of why I wanted to bring this up, but that's the point when it really does get into territory where it's bullying. And that's, that's the, the Paul Feig response to that. All yeah. geeks are assholes quote. He did this very, I mean, it's incredibly articulate. I, I won't read the whole thing. Please go out and, and check it because it's it's very good. But he really, he latches onto something that I've really noticed now that he says bullies scream the loudest and they seem to get the most attention, but they are simply bullies who in no way represent the vast majority of wonderful, thoughtful people who make up our geek community. So to me, there's, there is that fine line that the minute you cross the uh, I'm entitled to my opinion, good or bad, it doesn't matter. But if you are forcing something upon others, or if you are personally attacking others, or if you are, if you're engaging in targeted trolling, and come on, if people people will try to argue, I'm not trolling. This is not trolling. This is me stating my opinion. No, you are by all means trolling, and you know that you are. Oh, you I've deep had a, down know that the you last are. couple of days I had a couple outright admit it because again they feel so cheated. Uh, that's the fair part. I feel cheated by this movie. 
fair enough. I deserve better. You don't deserve nothing. And I'm going to troll over it because that's the only payback I'm getting. No, GTFO. Um, it's... How do, yes, then this is the weakness of the internet. Bullies always scream the loudest. But the thing is, in real life, bullies can be confronted, and then bullies stop being bullies. Yeah. The yeah. trouble is on the internet, and that's the thing, when they get out of hand, that's, and you can see the pattern, right? So in an average post, if there's one or two things, it kind of dies off after a while. If they... Uh, throw down others start to throw down uh if i'm on a short fuse that day because i've had enough of it sort of thing and i start to throw down it then spirals out of control and they don't have to back down because they're sitting in a chair at home right there's no yeah. escalation point they can just keep going they don't get exhausted <laughs> yeah just keep, keep going until we both have nothing else to say well yeah. this is the thing i had to kind of come out and say there's some people misunderstanding the difference between the right to having an opinion and the privilege to speak it and the abuse of the privilege by, you know, doing this, which is, you know, essentially raining on everybody else's parade. Yeah. Actually that's, and that sounds really soft. That's shitting on everybody's cornflakes is what it comes it down really to. Is. It really is. I and mean, I've, I've tried to make room. It's been a year and a half. And I, and the thing is, is the number one thing I get charged with is you're always defending it and you're, you know, shouting us down. It's like, Actually, I'm leaving most of you alone because it's fair enough. Your opinion is fair enough and you're generally civil about it and that's fine. Yeah. It's when you tip over into this unreasonable madness of you suck and you're a shill and you're stupid for wanting to go see it and all this and then and then that's not reasonable. That's the abuse of the privilege of being there and I've had to say I tried to make the room. Uh, I'm not winning, right? There's, there's no benefit to leaving you here. You're just kind of bringing everything down i've had to kind of i had uh, guidelines which basically amounted to the abuse of the privilege of being on the facebook page was being a horrible person being yeah, out, outright yeah. racist or sexist and like i said in the first few months i called out probably a few dozen of those and it kind of seemed maybe that was the balance and it's not. It seems there's a couple more where it's the you know the the abuse of this. Well, trolling is what it comes down to. Yeah, it really, it becomes trolling. I mean, to me, I, I've got to admit, what really set me over the edge this week was you know we, we mentioned Stephen Dane's uh, passing earlier in the show. Uh, Ghostbusters fans was the first to report it, and I saw it, and I was uh, dumbfounded. Oh my God, Stephen Dane passed away. This is horrible, and so. You know, I'm reading the comments and hoping that people are not only just being, you know, gracious human beings, but that there's maybe going to be more information in there, you know, that sort of outpouring of love that usually happens when somebody passes away. And sure enough, there's one comment in there that says, well, he probably died because he knows this new movie is going to suck so bad. Yeah. And and that, to me, that is the one where it's not, look, okay, you're allowed to hate a movie. You're allowed to like a movie. You're allowed to have an opinion that was just, it's classless. I mean, that, that is trolling. That is, that is bullying. I mean, I know you bullying. Everybody thinks that it's, you got to go punch somebody in the face or you've got to go shove them into a locker. No, that, no, that's just, that's horrible. You would not say that to any, any member of Stephen Dane's family. You would never say, well, I'm glad he's dead. Cause you didn't have to see that new movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh wait, why are you guys getting a baseball bat? What are you going to do to me? You know, it's, it's, it's right just, up it's there horrible. with the number of times that somebody said, Harold Ramis must be rolling in his grave. It's like, yeah. 
And and then in the guy's response, people called him out, which again, my hat is my hat is off to everybody that said like, "Come on, dude, this guy just died." His response was, "I thought this was Facebook, not a memorial page." Like to to me, that's right then and there. I know that this person knows that they are targeting and they're trolling, and they know full well what they are doing. They're just doing it to get a rise out of people, and that's to me, that's like get out of here we're done like we yeah. don't have to deal with this or the very slim chance they're so horribly ignorant that they think that's just normal on the internet and i've had yeah. that people like you know toughen up this is what the internet is no this is what you yeah, make the, the internet breaks, man if you can't handle it get out of the internet yeah i've yeah. seen that a bunch too that it's just that's no it doesn't just give you the right to be a total it. asshole which it again this it's a weird circular way to come back to what paul feig was saying just having a voice and being on the internet and knowing that you can snark all you want. Again, like watch when the Oscars air, everybody becomes a live snarker. They all want to be assholes. Yeah. That's, that's what Paul Feig was trying to say. Like there are so many mean spirited people that have a voice and it sucks because they're the ones that are the loudest and they get the most attention. But for every one of them, there are infinite number of people that are enjoying something and they're just trying to live their lives. And for yeah. whatever reason, the squeaky wheel is getting the grease here. He got uh, in some trouble in it before uh, a few years back, but Pat Oswald leveled some similar arguments, which amounted to his theory was is a certain proportion of people, you know, that uh, love nerdy things, had a tough time in high school they're now out here in certain environments and they're like, now I get to be the bully. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a healthy response, but you know, it's obviously there. Um, it's fair to point out, I think of this, the trick is, is that there's a lot of noise in general and it's really a lot of, how do I put this? I come at it from a single person. So a lot of people get upset with me and I'm kind of like, you have, you have to realize I'm one guy. Yeah, you are Chris Stewart running a fan there's lots website. Of you. Yeah, there's lots of you. And, you know, it's not that it's not that I'm trying to generalize. It's just that that's the only way I can deal with hundreds or thousands of people is I have to do it in very broad right. strokes. I cannot pay attention. You know, this is a free sideline thing. I got a day job and a family to take care of. I try as best as I can to interact with everybody, but I cannot tailor personal responses to all of you, especially if it's very insistent well, or, or very, you know, aggressive or what have you. Um, which is why I said like at a certain point, it's like, you know, what's easier. Maybe you just get bounced. And this is the thing, right? You go to a club. When was the last time you went to a club and there was a jerk there and everybody said, well, maybe in movies, they say it in movies all the time, but you go to the club and there's a, a jerk and somebody said, just ignore him. No, nobody gets ignored when you're a jerk at a club. You get bounced. Yeah, get that guy out of here. Like <laughs> if, this, if you're throwing drinks on people, they're going to toss you. And yeah. that's just it. This is, there's a percentage of us that, and again, this is the thing. Nobody in this party, well, some of them, some of them are genuinely excited to go see it. They think it looks awesome. That's fair. If you get to think it looks bad, they get to think it looks awesome. That's just fair game. But most of us are like, I'm just kind of excited that there's a new movie and I'd like to go see it before I, you know, commit to any real passionate opinion. And at the end of the day, probably won't even do that. Like, let's be honest. I go see this thing and it, and it's like a, a real stinker, which it real, really won't be. Eh, disappointment is mostly what it'll come down to. I don't but we'll think still I'm talk gonna... about it if it's disappointing. That's the thing. <laughs> and it's I, not... But I don't think I'm going to take to the internet and spend the rest of my life crusading sort no. of thing. Um, no, not at all. The, well, and, and but, you, I, but this is the – sorry, I had an analogy, which yeah, was – Yeah, I know. The, this, uh, 
it's a party. We're all trying to enjoy it together, which is, but the thing is, is, okay, how do I put this? The room I've tried to make is for the people who aren't really happy with the tone of the party. It's not really your thing, but you know, great. The door's open. Come on in, stand over by the chips. You know, we'll talk every once in a while when thing, you know, when a topic does appeal to you, you know, you can still join into the fun and, you know, sorry that, you know, it's not your thing to come join the big party that we're all marching towards, but you know, that's kind of how it goes. You know, that's yeah. life. What's really happened is that there's, you know, guys dancing on the, the snack table and <laughs> taking a dump on the coffee table and slashing the seats. It's like, you're not allowed to be at the party. Like, yeah, this is my house. What are you doing? I mean, again, I know it's like, okay, it's Facebook. Yes, it's a public place, whatever, but it is your fan yeah, website. You are not getting paid however. for it. You are not an employee of anything. Like, you're just doing this for fun. And to, uh, to me, I mean, uh, for anybody that's listening to this, we don't have to reiterate that to them because everybody that's listening to this, we know that you guys, we, we love all of you. We love all of our listeners. You are very supportive to us. Um, but, you know, I, I wish that I could just grab people by the scruff and just shake them and be like, look, leave poor Chris alone, man. Like, this is his website. He's doing this out of the goodness of his heart. He actually enjoys this stuff. He enjoys being a fan. He enjoys kind of moderating the community. But it's that's not a job. It's not, not. He's not a security guard. Well, that's just it. I don't I, – I appreciate it, but I don't really need the sympathy because getting the sympathy means that – I'm somehow the opposite of where they're standing. And that's really not the case. Yeah. No, that's true. That's very true. I'm annoyed yeah. that they're changing the timber and the tone of what I'm trying to offer the community, which is a place to come together and talk and enjoy Ghostbusters. And a group have decided that since they're not getting what they want tailored to them, they're just really going to cause a tantrum and ruin it for everybody else. And that's really what it comes down to is that because I, if I wrote it out, everybody would look at it and go, yeah, that's unreasonable, right? Like, they, Yeah, it's they a can, tantrum. That's a really good way of putting it. It's they like a can, two-year-old in the, in the toy store throwing down. And I actually had a guy that tried to like, say, it's like, well, you seem really worked up. And I'm like, you're just being childish. And I'm like, this conversation started with you actually typing, no, 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 they've ruined Ghostbusters. How are oh, you calling Was that me? the true meaning of Ghostbusters guy? Oh, that oh, guy. They've God. ruined the true meaning of yeah, uh, and yeah. that's the true meaning of Ghostbusters, Charlie Brown. Um, yeah, it's like I say, I kind of feel for people. I feel for people on a lot of different levels. Um, I mean, I still have a certain amount of compassion for the people that, because we're, we're like them, right? We all had something in our heads when they said that we're they're going to make a new movie. We all had kind of a hope and a dream in our head. And depending on what it was or our own personality, you know, we kind of, some of us rolled with it. Some of us are really kind of happy with it. And some people are taking it really hard. Yeah. And I said, as I said, I have compassion for you. I understand. I'm as passionate a fan as you are. It's just that, you know, the line that I can put this stuff down or not really get worked up over it is entirely different from yours, but fair fair enough. Right. Um, I can no longer get mad at those people for being, you know, disappointed in what they're getting. Then I can, you know, make fun of somebody that makes a $2,000 proton pack and all that. It's like, whatever floats your boat, go float it. Right. Like, yeah. that's great. Thumbs up. But the trouble is, is I also have a bit of compassion too, because one of the things I hear a lot is 
I can't say I hate the movie without being called a misogynist. And it's kind of like, all right, here's the right. thing. Yeah. You're probably not. No, uh, there is a lot of guilt by association, which is guilt not by, fair. You this are really not fair. You yeah. are being whitewashed. And like I said, and some people that tips them over the edge and they turn into trolls. Like it's really sad. And other people are just, again, it's disappoint. It's insult to injury at that point. I'm not getting what I saw in my head. And now suddenly I'm a jerk. And it's like, at that point, just walk away. Cause to be honest, we all know that's the truth. Uh, fair enough. It's not a black and white world. Let's be honest. A few people that are claiming it's not that I hate women. Eh, you probably do, but that's a small percentage. Yeah, Just that's as a small percentage, but crypto misogynists, let's call them. <laughs> and that's a, you know, and compared to then the really small group, which are the vocal hateful misogynist yeah, yeah. assholes. Right? They seem to have a whole lot of energy too. So, and I feel like that's yeah. why they end up like people that, that express a negative opinion, get grouped in with that group of vocal uh yeah. whatever's because they're it's the energy that they expend because like okay look I didn't like Batman versus Superman but I'm not going to every fan page and being like that movie was stupid I didn't enjoy that blah 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 because if I I mean I feel like if I did yeah. not only would they think that I'm trolling but I would I would get grouped in with those people that is just there to pick a fight like and I, I don't need yeah. I don't feel the need to well, express that I didn't like a movie to that extent you know but that's but that's the thing too and that's again I think why some people get so frustrated I think why some people feel you know insult injury betrayed I think why some people tip over into trolling and all that is because what's essentially happened is they've now lost th- the right to vent and I'm not talking repeat venting. It's just they can't even really bring it up. And just once, yeah. Just once. Well, actually, and the thing is, is when they do gently or civilly, I've noticed that they tend not to get stepped on really that hard. You have to yeah. kind of cross a line before you get a response. But like I said, it's just a big... the. The world operates in grays. We know that. The trouble is, is that as human beings, processing grays is hard binary is easier so what what's happened is a line drawn in the sand because it's really easy especially for the media oh my god you want grays <laughs> write an academic essay because yeah. that's but that's yeah that doesn't make the evening news the evening news has to go for and against and then uh, here's the thing I've, I've i've been whitewashed as a misogynist and it's like yeah because here's the thing you've been divided up in the Venn diagram onto the against side, which you are, because you've said you're not happy with what you're getting. But when people have to look at the reasons for it, um, it's not what I saw in my head is not the social problem that needs to be confronted, no matter how large that group is. And that's the other thing. There's way more of us than the Mossad. Yeah. Sorry, the, we don't need to solve that problem. That's actually kind of on you. Yeah. What we really need to deal with is that last vocal bullying percentage of guys that are, I hate women and dropping the C-bombs and all that. It's like, yeah. sorry. It's, like I said, it's a, I feel really bad about it. And it's the reason why for a year and a half I've tried to and make as much room as possible. It's why the only banning I've done, which really only amounted to a couple of dozen people over the last year and a half, which is kind of crazy given that, you know, there's whatever it is, 27,000 followers on Facebook. Um, it was limited to the guys that, you know, making gorilla jokes and all that. Like, it's like out. Yeah. Gone. Like this is not your pool. Yeah. Go. But the door was left open for everybody else. And 
Ugh, some people well, just, it, I don't know, feels like this, like I said, here's the thing. You and I talked about this, and I just said a little while ago, everybody's an individual. Some of the individuals have kind of kept that same tone. Some of them have even turned. They're like, look, you know, uh, the stages of grief, they've reached the acceptance. They're like, it's not my thing, but... <laughs> But it's happening. Whatever, so, it's happening. Yeah. What can I do about it? A lot of I've heard a lot of. I'm waiting for Redbox. Fair enough. Well, Good. Hell, right? Wait for Redbox. No, no, that's it's perfect. Yeah, it, that's perfectly reasonable. I'm not going to go pay at the box office. I'll wait. Great. Yeah. All of us are kind of like. Well, it'd be nice if we could talk yeah. about it together, but it's not your thing. Nobody's going to force you. Go watch it later. Um, I mean, I almost wonder how much of that too can be chalked up to now that all these people have a voice, now that everybody has a smartphone in their pocket, uh, not everybody is as articulate as others. So you may not like the movie for the reasons that you were just saying, Chris, like it's not what I was expecting or it's not the cast that I was hoping for or whatever. But then you just post an emoji of something throwing up and everybody's like, Okay. What does that mean? Um, like, what are we supposed to do with that? Well, I'm I'm lumping you in with people that are just here to troll because you haven't really articulately said anything here. So, and then and then people will react to that, and then they get defensive. I'm entitled to have an opinion. Your opinion is a yellow smiley face vomiting. vomiting. Are you sure that's your opinion? So, like, that's not really yeah. that far removed from meh. Yeah, exactly. From meh, uh, but so and and you know again, uh, f- very uh, compassionate for those who have actually articulately said. I, I think it's like Simon Bergeron or somebody actually really just did a, a great articulate post on proton charging, saying like, "Look, this was not the movie that I wanted. I will admit that fully. I would love a, a direct sequel to Ghostbusters two and." Uh, you know, uh, the cast, uh, I'm not the biggest fan. I don't really know a lot about them and I don't really like the design of things, but you know what? Uh, it's happening. I'll give it a chance. If I don't like it, it's not the end of the world. Like just a very tempered and even keeled response. That's, uh, that's being human to me. That makes a whole lot of sense. If you yeah. would have posted the, uh, the vomiting emoji, uh, I'm scrolling through it. I'm not even paying attention to it. So yeah. It's it's tough. The internet's great at some things and imperfect at others. And yeah. to be honest, this is one of the most extreme and Oof. extremely interesting. Like, let's be honest. Oh, it is. For and all the frustration, this is incredibly fascinating to me. It, it is. And I think so, you know, we have kind of purposely, we've glossed over the positive negative aspects of things just because, look, you and I are both fans. This is our weekly poker night. We just want to sit and talk about the stuff that we're excited about and uh, and maybe this whole hour long conversation is a result of us sort of having that pent up, like, God, we haven't talked about this in 50 some episodes, but, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 we're just trying to live in the moment. We're trying to be excited about things. We're trying to be fans about this. Um, I just reported news on a monster high thing. I have no idea about you know, it's just, it's one of those things yeah. that you, we're just we're we're trying to live this up i'm trying to enjoy it and um so you know when i see a lot of people like to be completely honest when i see um like steven dane somebody saying well he died because he didn't want to see the movie or when i when i read an article that katie dippold said that somebody reached out to her and told her multiple times that they hoped that she died in a fire uh, it's just that's that's really what it almost frightens me and it shocks me. And as a, a nerdy kid that got the crap kicked out of him in high school and junior high school, it, 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 that's not what we're doing here. I mean, now that everybody really enjoys pop and nerd culture and it's kind of become commonplace now that everybody and their grandma goes to see Marvel movies on a, a monthly basis, 
you know, I, I just, I don't want to encourage that behavior. <laughs> I really don't. Like, yeah. That well, is not something that's acceptable. It's the thing that actually it's kind of hard to see in all this because it's kind of like the negative stands out and the positive doesn't. What doesn't get highlighted enough is the people who are like, I'm still not keen on this movie, but still are celebrating not so much the movie, although I do see that sometimes, but they're still celebrating the other Ghostbusters stuff that comes up that people are excited about. This feels like it's kind of what's missing is that that's what was always supposed to be there. It's like you said, the monster high thing, not your bag. But when I posted it, a whole bunch of people went, Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. People are into it and we should be happy for that. Right. You don't need to go burn your old props in a bonfire. Like you can still build new props. You can still enjoy it. Like nothing is precluding you from doing anything that you did before here. So yeah, I don't need somebody to express the completely (laughs) reasonable, uh, uh, post of I've kind of had my movies and my merch for the last 30 years and I'm perfectly happy with letting this little girl get a shot at it and then it devolve into a debate of that little girl wouldn't be able to see that movie anyways oh jeez yeah well you know not the uh, point (laughs) well you know what we didn't we didn't get into it we talked about the New York Times and all that Paul Feig stuff we didn't talk about the the bloody disgusting article yeah yeah actually so that 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 kind of comes into play of our our discussion here and i know we're running long so we'll, we'll just bring it up now suck but it up everybody i know everybody here we go but so bloody disgusting had an article that um I, i've I, I will fully admit i've given bloody disgusting a very hard time in the past because they were responsible for spreading so many like ghostbusters 3 rumors throughout oh, the yeah. years that were completely unfounded that had no journalism behind them that like right down to that that fake script that leaked out that um uh eisenberg and stupnitsky had to say like we didn't write that where did that come from you know so so i've given bloody disgusting a very hard time over the years and i'm i'm sorry because you guys actually redeemed yourselves with this article um but it I don't, it's, it's a very, it's, it, it sort of speaks to everything that we've just been talking about the last hour, Chris, it was this, we should be celebrating the new Ghostbusters movie because uh, this is bigger than just this one movie. This is bigger than the one reboot. This is bigger than the cast that is in this single film. It's the reinvigoration of a franchise. Like that's the thesis statement of this article. And yeah. They do make some broad generalizations, which you, you, you pointed out, which I, I totally, I don't oh, no, disagree they, with. They they showed a little bit of their journalistic sloppiness again. Yeah, they, they did their whole like, well, you know, it had nearly one million down votes and it's the most disliked, the, all the stuff that we've talked about before. Universally like, hated. Come on. I'm pretty sure you meant widely hated. Probably not scientific. Yeah. Yeah. Universally means everybody. Yeah, but I mean, what I what I really loved, and I'm actually I'm scrambling to. Oh, it was John Squires who wrote this, Freddie in yeah. space. Um, and you know, but what I really loved about this article was he he everything that we've just been saying and everything that we've reiterated on Facebook and Twitter over the last year and a half is, look, I'm not here to defend this film. I'm not here to pump up this film. I haven't even seen it yet. Uh, but you know, like, let's just hold off on making all of these judgments. Let's hold off on all of the outrage that is completely unfounded at this point. And, you know, let's appreciate what we have right now, because for the next two months, we have Ghostbusters merch on the shelves. We have a movie coming out. We have, they're bringing the original back into the theaters. Like again, kind of what I, what I was talking about at the beginning of our op-ed here, 
this is this is a really fun time. You really need to enjoy this moment because it's not going to happen again. You know, this is this is something that if you are a fan of Ghostbusters, you should be really stoked about because it's yeah. back, regardless of the reboot, regardless of the cast, regardless of the director, regardless of the design of the proton packs. The, the franchise has gotten a bolt of energy, which it really greatly needed. Don't it, tell yeah. me that Ghostbusters wasn't dead because it was. It was an idle franchise that hadn't had anything new in years. Yeah, I've got the news archives for 20 years worth of news archives that say otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was stagnant. And this right now, this is just infinitely more than we've had in so long. And the fact that I can go into my local target store and there are Ghostbusters toys up on the shelves and I've seen kids go, you know, go up and pull Slimer's arm and it plays the Ghostbusters theme song. It's almost a pinch me moment because this was not going to happen. Ecto Cooler was not going to come back for anything if this new movie wasn't coming out. So, And not only that, it's starting to open the doors that, if you didn't get a certain something with this movie, it may be coming, right? Because as we talked about last time, uh, it was, was revealed working on a second movie, working on an animated movie, talking about a TV show, right? You know, like, you, you didn't get it this time out, but it's helping yeah. pave the way for... And the thing is, is uh, this has been pointed out. It's like, look at all this cool stuff. And th- I've, a few people responded, what, like new merch is supposed to, you know, uh, make this crappy movie all right? It's like, okay, think about it this way. What you've basically just said is, I'm supposed to be happy with this tepid tap water because I didn't get the iced tea I wanted. It's like, <laughs> well, you can go back to the desert and have nothing if you like. Yeah, exactly. And um, and to me, I mean, again, if you guys are listening to this podcast, I, we don't have to tell you this because there's a really good chance that you are enjoying something. And, but to me, like, if you are not finding just one thing to enjoy, like, if, even if you hate the reboot, there are Slimers on the shelves and there are Stay Puft Marshmallow Men on the shelves and Ecto Cooler is coming back. And that's, that's what the bloody disgusting article says is, if anything, just smile when that ecto cooler hits your taste buds and it reminds you of being eight again. Like yeah. this, this is find something to enjoy, find something to take pleasure out of this because it, it, it this is this is such a cool thing. This is not going to happen again. Back to the Future Day is only going to happen once. Like yeah. that, that's not going to happen again, guys. This is supposed to be. Well, this is the highest watermark since the second movie came out. Oh, absolutely. Hands down. I mean, Extreme Ghostbusters uh, not even, like, fails in comparison to this. And I've even argued this may actually be bigger than the spike for Ghostbusters 2. Like, this is uh, approaching, not surpassed, but approaching the same level of phenomena of the first movie. Yeah. At at kind of a cultural media level, right? Like... Uh, now, admittedly, this time out, some of that noise is negative, but <laughs> yeah. But the, but the noise during Ghostbusters Two was negative too. I mean, that yeah. was at the tail end of look, look what happened after 1989. Uh, the cartoon fizzled out. The toy line fizzled out. I mean, there was that. There was the the huge burst right when that movie came out, and then it went away. Everybody got into Ninja Turtles. Everybody got into something completely different. 
and it just, it, it fizzled away. And, uh, you know, this is something in, entirely and totally different. So the Schumacher's Batman took over for the next 10 years. Yeah. Schumacher's bat. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what it was. Batman forever destroyed it all. But, uh, so at any rate, um, I, I know we're running long, everybody. Uh, this is, thank you so much for listening to Chris and my therapy session. This is a conversation yeah. that he and I have long needed to have, uh, since we last had coffee in Vancouver about six months ago. So, uh, a blanket appeal to reason um if you're on the disappointed side we're not cutting you out uh, we understand that you're disappointed you know we're trying to make room for you and not only that we're trying to celebrate the fact that we think you'll be happier in the future even though this movie might not be it there's more to come yeah. um and at a certain point yeah let's just i don't know we, it's up to us to try to figure out how to keep the party going and not let the you know, a very small number of very loud jerks spoil it for the rest of us. You know, you and I talked about it. We're punching out the week before. Um, I think that still stands because I can't imagine it's going to get any less crazy. Um, and stop know. breaking stuff in Chris's house, damn it. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 go stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702 GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Print is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That'll do it. Thanks very much, Ray. All right, super long episode, Chris, uh, but we're bringing it on home right now. We're gonna we're gonna bring things to a close here. Is it our longest? Uh, not no, quite not, not Bill quite Murray yet. long. Not Bill Murray long, but but getting there. Close. I mean, uh, again, that was a good therapy <laughs> session. I'm glad that you and I had that conversation. But uh, you know, uh, we got a lot off of our chests. Uh, do you do you have any final thoughts to to bring us on home here with? Yeah, we didn't, uh, well, this is a minor aside. We didn't really talk about, we kind of got lost in the talks about merch. We didn't mention all the cool stuff that's out in Walmart and Target and Toys R Us and all that. The the general release of Mattel's it's, yeah, it's, I mean, and we, Blaster and Trap. We talked and about the, it a little bit last week bit, because it, it yeah. had just started trickling out, but now it's, it's, oh, it's out there. It's everywhere. The squishies, it's on Amazon. The squishy it's, ghost. Uh, no, my final thought is uh, stay tuned because um, uh, I've, We've gotten ourselves a sneak peek at Matt McNabb's uh, collectibles book, Ghostbusters collectibles book. Right, we didn't even talk about that Uh, in the merch section. That's right. Yeah, well, there's not a lot to talk about. We just barely got it. I had a quick look, and I haven't read it, so I don't want to speak as if it's a review. Yeah, I haven't gotten it yet, but uh, I've been told that it's it's on the way to take a look at. So we'll we'll probably talk about it more in in a future episode. Then it's it looks pretty cool. It's not. This is the thing I was kind of curious about, and if anybody understands the distinction, it is not a collectibles guide. It's kind of a collectibles history. Uh, okay. which is so it's it's not comprehensive it, it doesn't it no. doesn't give you like top to bottom here's all of Kenner's line that kind of thing I had a look it's a really great uh, first movie to 
uh, let's put it this way they top out at uh, Diamond's second wave of figures mm. so uh, recently but future. still yeah, yeah. Uh, that's you know whenever the time it went to print that's the last thing they had kind of gotten a look at and it's a bit broad I mean it's really it's a good entry for low level fans who are just kind of getting into it I think general fans are really going to like it. Actually, I think all fans are going to like it. I should say just the general ones and all that because I'm I'm digging it. But at the same time, fair warning, it's not a comprehensive guide. It's not going to list like I'm noticing stuff where I'm like they talk about and the collectible records and they show pictures of a couple of them, even though I know that there are dozens more. Um, oh, interesting. So it's, it's a uh, lot like they, yeah. the the Steve Sansweet books that have been done over the years for Star Wars, where it's. Yeah, almost like a, a highlights uh, of of the collectibles. Like it's not going to be yeah. anything and everything. I think All it's right. a real good way to. Uh, it's a nice little sampling for people who are collectors. I think it's a real good way to ignite new collectors. Um, the uh, like I said, we're going to read it over and we can talk about it in more depth. Uh, the copy I have is the UK edition, and I know it's showing up on Amazon.com. So I don't know if that's the UK one that you can just buy through the American or if there's they have an American I'd have to double check we'll have more information on that okay. too when we do talk about it probably next week but yeah definitely looking forward to, yeah. to jumping into that because that's my final it, it seems like a good a good walk down memory lane uh, if even if it's not comprehensive so um, so cool yeah uh, look for that uh, in a future episode but in the meantime, you know, thanks so much, guys, for joining us for for news and for that that opinion editorial section. Uh, even even if you skipped over it, uh, I understand. I know that uh, a lot of people are just trying to enjoy the moment. They just they don't want to engage in that debate anymore. But it was good for Chris and I to get it off of our chest. So I'm thinking if I had to put a proper final thought on this, that the the excitement wave is going to increase just as much, if not more, than the. Um, because as I, we've seen, as we approach the new movie, a lot of the people who are kind of disappointment reach that kind of acceptance level. Yeah. And yeah. while they're not exactly the most exuberant people, they are still kind of coming along vaguely for the ride, uh, which is fine. And I think slowly over time, it kind of tends to, to drown out uh, yeah. the real. And that, and uh, if you get out of line, I'm probably going to start banning people. So it will get quieter <laughs> over time. Well, I'll, I'll admit to something. I'm already having the dreams. Like, I'm having the dreams that I'm at the premiere of the movie. I'm having the dreams that I'm in line for the movie. Like, I've, I've got those anticipation dreams, and that's always a good sign for me. I mean, even if the movie ends up disappointing me, uh, it, I, have, I, I rarely get this feeling for a movie. I think it was, like, the first Jurassic Park movie the last time this happened. So Yeah, like, I don't know how it can disappoint, though, because at this point, at worst, I'm expecting average. And from, you know... Um, at this point, I'm happy to, you know, just go see the Kevin jokes, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? So. Let's go see the full Kevin jokes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, so stay tuned, everybody. We have a whole lot of fun stuff uh, planned for you here on the Interdimensional Cross Rip. And we thank you, as always, for joining us every single week. Please, please, please give us a call. Call that voicemail. The, the voicemail line that you heard earlier is always open. And if you want to get stuff off of your chest, it is always here for you. So please do that. And until next time, we will see you guys on the other side. Who you gonna call? Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional CrossRip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. They used to be one of my two favorite shows. You're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Fastmaster. Everything you're doing is bad. They want you to know this. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird.